This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. Here with me, I have Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Not much, man. We got a lot to get into today. Glad to be here uh, as every week doing the best podcast uh, going today. So, um, yeah, you know, I was listening to um, we got, we got a big NXT topic uh, today and I was listening to a show that is out of our archives. I tweeted out on the timeline today where we basically call everything that happens with NXT going to USA and down to just of course they're going to lose in the ratings and everything it was it was prophecy quite frankly y'all should go check check that out always remember your boys are always ahead <laughs> all right well i guess we'll get to we'll talk about that when we come back to it but i guess um i guess we start with a personal thing for me um bobby bowden the patriarch of florida state football passed away um over the weekend um he had been he had been announced that he was terminal about a week or two ago so it was just a waiting game um and i don't know where even to start like florida state football is the uh program or sports team that i have loved more than anything else in my life and i owe that to him um i it was it was such a uh, great moment and part of my life, and still is to this day of just being able to tune in on Saturday and watch uh, watch them. And you know, and for most of my childhood, like they were just at the top of, of pro, not pro, but <laughs> semi pro, if you will. They were t- on the top of college football world. Um, there was a time where you know, up and I had to learn that like this wasn't. Uh, a birthright that you're going to just win 10 or 11 games every single year. And then like, if you lose, you know, if you don't win a national championship game, if you don't play a national championship game, you lost to the eventual national fucking champion. Um, and that was a spoiled life. And, uh, the time from about 2003 until 2013 is when I, I relearned how to recalibrate it. Like, that's not just a guarantee. And like 2013 is a, is a season. I just hold dearly that like the program got back, got back on top. Um, and was dominant from quite frankly, from 2012 to 2014. So, um, 
I have a I've recalibrated, adjusted my my life uh, to it being a normal standard of it's a very good team that will eventually continue, uh, compete um, for national championships games. But the time where it's like there was a time in Florida State like where my entire life, like literally from 1987 season to 2000 season, like they finished every poll in AP ranked in the top four or better. Um, uh, so like there were times in my childhood where like they lose one game and it would just blow my whole month. I just be just like devastated. I can't believe we fucking lost. I can't believe the se- the season was literally over if they lost to like Miami or Florida State or blew blew some bullshit game to Clemson or or you know stuff like that. Um, or you know some some uh, out of conference game to whoever. So like it, that was a big deal in my life. And I, I think of how spoiled that was. And thinking looking back at it, it's like my my brother Daniel. He is um. He was born in February of 97. So the month before uh, he was born, you have Florida, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl for the for 96 National Championship game. They get Florida State gets their, blow, their doors blown out by Florida after uh, they beat Florida in the uh, regular season game. But that's one that's one de facto national championship game, right? 97, I forgot where we ended up finishing, but 98, they're in the national championship game uh, against in the Fiesta Bowl against Tennessee, and they end up losing by one touchdown in a game where Chris Wickey didn't play because he ended up, I think he had broken ribs. I forget, yeah, something like that. And then 99, they go wire to wire, and they win the national championship game. Like, they were preseason number one. They go undefeated. They win the, the Sugar Bowl against uh, Virginia Tech by blowing the, the doors off them. And it's... it's uh. Bobby Bowden and Peter Ward holding the crystal ball up on stage and just like that was the that was Peter Ward's last run uh uh with uh Florida State. And then 2000 they go to national championship game and um and they end up losing like in a, you know both teams scored less than single digits against Oklahoma. Like that was my life. That was my that was my, you know, up until like pre basically but like my late childhood up to preteen age like like that was my team and then you know then you have the the losing four five games in four years to Miami and um things changing in the college football landscape to where Florida State's run of success was unsustainable unless they changed and they changed late to it but they eventually they changed but um just what he built was just like something that stands stands the test of time because it's never going to be fucking done again 14 AP top four finishes will never happen. Like the closest you have besides Florida state in that run is seven. Like Clemson on his current run is at six. Mm-hmm. You think that was going to go finish in the top four, eight more times straight. It, it seems very hard to do. Yeah. Um, like the best that the same never did was, uh, four years. Like that's a hard And this is saving. That is one. What? How many national championship games? Six, seven? Yeah. At Alabama? Like Alabama's been dominant essentially since like 09, it feels like. Yeah. 09 champions. Uh lost in 2010. 2011, 2012 champions. That's three right there. Um won the 05 championship. Or the 15 championship. Lost 16 to Clemson. Won 17. Lost 18 to Clemson. 19. Uh LSU won, and then twenty they won. So yeah, they've won six titles wow. in that run. 
they never, they didn't, they weren't that sustained. Like, and they finished seventh in AP poll a bunch of times or worse. So, um, like, there was a thing where like they were the lovable losers, or they were just like they were always contained. They always be great, and then they eventually they will lose on a field goal, or a bad left miss field goal to Miami, and then Miami go and win national championship game, and then. 93 they broke through and won. 99 they won they they ran it ran through and won. But that consistent run of like they were always in the hunt. I don't think that's never going to be like uh recaptured or re re uh produced in like the way they got to it. Like the set of the set of circumstances for that to happen was just like, like okay. Talk about the beginning like of like the school's origins. Oh, okay. Well, we talk okay, so let's talk about where Florida State is right now, and then I'll then I'll double back to explain why what made it so special. Mm-hmm. In this era of want to in fandom in boosters in big money in um the fraud of amateurism, uh the Florida State is far behind a team like or schools like Clemson in the South. Let's just say the South particular, right? Clemson Georgia, Alabama, um, LSU, Florida, uh, roughly Florida, Florida still ahead. Um, the reason why is because Florida State was a school that was originally a all-woman's college. So you look at generational donors, they don't have that donor base because of sexism in the patriarchy. They don't have the they don't have that, contrib- that contributing base until I believe the 60s when they started uh, having men. Um, so from that perspective, you start from there. You started from respect. Then you start from the perspective of he took the job in seventy six. In nineteen eighty, I've looked this up before. In the eighties, Florida had the same population as Michigan, the state of Michigan. Then there was a obvious boom in the population that helped contribute to just more players, more population. You're gonna it's gonna be a bring out for more players in theory, right? Then you throw in the part where he was one of the first head coaches from the South that didn't give a damn about what the color of the players looked like. Like, he was one of the first to say, oh, I'm at Southern School. Hmm. FAMU, Grambling, Southern, uh, a- or, um, A&T, Carolina A&T, all these Southern schools, they have all these, uh, all of these uh, standout players that go to the NFL end up making the Hall of Fame. Hey, uh, let me get some of these players to come to our campus. Like they're already coming to Tallahassee. They're already going to FAMU out of Florida. How about they just come literally less was, I think it's like um, less than a mile is the campus difference from, from FAM to Florida state. And that, and that changed things. Um, and you know, and a lot of what Stellenberg and Miami got built up is the same. Is, there's a lot of parallel stuff to what Bowden did at Florida State, except it was a harder job because, like, Miami is untapped resource. People have no idea what's going on in South Florida. But Bobby has to do the same exact thing, except he's further away, and then he has to rely on getting country boys from South Georgia and South Alabama and from the Panhandle to come in. So. So that build is just like, it's just very impressive. And Miami, once it got built up, it didn't matter who the damn coach was, whether it was Snellenberger, whether it was Dickinson, whether it was Jimmy Johnson, the players, the players are right up the street. 
or right up the interstate or whatever, a couple miles from campus, and you just get them. Whereas, whereas uh, Jimbo Fisher over the years and, and Bobby, they had to get their asses to go to all around and hover and hover around and get talent. Like Tallahassee's not some uh, football haven, right? Like it's not South Florida, it's not Atlanta, it's not Louisiana or New Orleans, it's not uh, Houston. So uh, to venture out to go into go into Valdosta and below and go get uh, you know players. Uh, over the years out of Georgia. Like, that's the thing that doesn't even happen in Florida State anymore. Like, Georgia has shut that down. They're all going to, they're all going to, uh, Georgia and, uh, Alabama. Um, and like, even, even, um, when it's up and running, like, the, his idea of like being able to re- recruit nationally because of the brand of the 90s and how big they were, like, to be able to go into Louisiana and go get a work done, who became like, quite honestly, maybe the greatest man that this, uh, that that, pro- that, that program ever produced. Um, it's just a person to help li- change lives with, you know, what he did once he was in the NFL is like being a dude to get big contracts and, you know, amass 10,000 career, uh, yards, uh, as a rusher in the NFL. And then like from day one, like once we, once he made some money in the NFL as a first round draft pick to be able to like, because of his, his tragic, uh, his tragic, um, um, upbringing where like his mom was a police officer, got killed on, on duty. And then like. He then like pays a down payment of homes for like single mothers, like every single uh, holiday s- season. Like that was the thing he did from day one. Uh, once he became a, he got drafted by the Bucks. So like to have to reach out to do that, to go into junior college and go get a Walter Jones, to be able to like uh, go across the country and go get a Chris Ricks, even though it didn't turn out that well. But like at that time, he was like the top quarterback in the country. Um, to go get a. Uh, Lorenzo Booker out of St. Bonaventures in, in, uh, in California. Like that became a national brand at, at that point in time, like in the nineties, like once Miami got on probation, like that was a school to go to. And everybody talks about the spear on the helmet and the tradition and, you know, white guys in, 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 in red face throwing, uh, dressing up as chief Osceola and, and on a, you know, and coming down and throwing the spear and an intimidation and speed of Florida and like his innovations of, like just being for his time a very uh aggressive coach like the amount of trick plays he ran in the 80s to 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 win games like there i mean the punt ruski all that kind of stuff in like on defense like because just being able to say hey um we are focused on speed like power and size is cool speed 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 be the first to the ball um like the aggressiveness of like saying hey we had a Deion Sanders guy. He's really good. Hey, Terrell Buckley, you want to be next Deion Sanders? Hey, you're going to opportunity. You're going to come out here. You're going to play man coverage almost every fucking possession. <laughs> We're not even going to, with, no, with one single safety help, like playing robber one, like almost 90% of your uh, plays in the 90s. Like that was a huge advantage to get people to say, hey, we are cool. We are daring. And, um, and to have him be that big, like the face of that program and be just like, gregarious personality this southern charmer like um i'm sure you've heard bomani jones talk about this like there are a few people celebrities that like you meet them and for most people you meet them and like you become when they're with you you become like the sole focus of their attention because their intent is for you to feel good about meeting them and they take pride in that like he talks about that with rick, he's talking about a rick flair he's talking about that with charles barkley bobby Bowen was absolutely one of those people Mm-hmm. Um, just from the speaking engagements, like, and when people talk about him and from a, from a personal met this person 
standpoint, everybody or standpoint, everybody talked about how nice it was to meet him and how how they had a smile on their face, how charming he was, and he absolutely was that. Like there are so many, uh, you know, people talk about Yogi Bear and talk about Yogi isms. Bobby had plenty of them. <laughs> like when the uh, so. In terms of Bobby, there was also in the nineties there was the Florida rivalry, so there's also Spurrier. So like just the just at that time growing up, like seeing coaches trade trade barbs back and forth and not like say anything to where like it was the it was just like it's gonna start a fight when they get on the when they get when the teams both get on the field, but just like coaches throwing bars back and forth in a in a well in a fun meaning sense, like that doesn't happen anymore, like. Spurrier, Spurrier talking about Free Shoes University and then Bobby saying like, hey man, like I'm just trying to, look, I'm trying to find where our players get discounts and I'm trying to get this out too. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. You, you that, that kind of jokey joke, like, these things have become too professionalized to where that could, ex- could even exist anymore to get those kind of quotes. So, um, that also goes back to like the, the personalities of the coaches and he was one of those at the forefront of that time to where like, that doesn't exist that much anymore. Um, like who will you be say was like the biggest outspoken personality amongst the coaching scene in college football at now, Rich? Who will you say? I've got two people in mind. Uh, fucking Orgeron. Yes. And, okay. Fair and, enough. And fucking Mike Leach. Yes. 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 But like, you That's think of Leach. Kind of... Leach has never even gotten a job to even be. You know, like we know Leach from when he was like an assistant, a crazy assistant coach, offensive genius at these small schools where you can have success at limited because he's, you know, because of what he's done and implemented into his system. But like, they're never going to let him get some, some, uh, I don't know, a Texas or a, some big job like that. Like, nah. Um, but Orgeron, absolutely. Orgeron's absolutely like, and think of how much fun we had Orgeron two, uh, two years ago. Yeah. Just, just cause he country. It, right. Like- right. Country with the accent, we barely understand what the hell he's saying, but like, but the players love him to death. Um, like back in our day, like back in our day, back when we were kids, like we had like Phil Fulmer, we had uh, Spurrier, we <laughs> we had Bobby Bowden, and we we just had a slew of coaches. And then like with the SEC, with like Gene Stallings getting in and out, winning national championship at Alabama, and then getting thrown the fuck out like t- three years later. <laughs> like we had we had a bunch of that, but that doesn't really you know, exist anymore. Like, I mean, Saban, Saban is just straight laced. Like he gets fired up at times or whatever else about whatever little, little small injustice he believes happened that day. And he gets pissed off and he moves on, but that's it. Like, that's not really much of a personality today. Oh, he gets, he's angry. Like, okay. Um, we we have fun with Dabo when he loses. Yeah, that's true. Because he talks a lot of cash. He's talked a lot of cash and that's a lot holier than now. Um, and then almost a lot of it is at the expense of like, what be the betterment of his players. Like, remember a few years ago, and he's like, if the, you know, the entitlement is going on. If if, if they're going to start playing players, and, you know, I might find something else to do. Well, they're well, yeah. paying players now, and I see you still collecting that, like, $8 million you're making. So, shut the fuck up. Take, have, a coke and, have a coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just going to miss him. And, like, the amount of people he put in the league, I mean, I can't, I can't even go out saying, like, he's put Hall of Famers in the league, multiple-time Pro Bowlers in the league, first-round draft picks in the league, all that. Like, I remember... Um, there was this graphic about the amount of people Alabama put into the league from like the last like five years or four years, whatever else. And then like, I started looking around, like I know Florida State's had a run like that. And then you look at it and it's like the exact same thing. You're putting like 22, like first or second round picks in like a three or four year span. Like that one was crazy. And like, 
just to go back to that run that I was talking about, that like that ninety six through ninety nine run, like Randy Moss was supposed to be on those teams. <laughs> <laughs> But he got kicked off because he was on probation for any uh, test spots for weed. Like, so, like, th- just think about that. Like, imagine, like, hey, man, um, our offense in 1990, let's say 1996, you can trot out. Work done. <laughs> Danny Cannell, who actually played in the league. Uh, backup is, uh, no, not, no, Winky's not there yet. Starting quarterback's Danny Cannell, who's all, all conference quarterback. Made, made play in the NFL for a number of years. Work done, amassed 10,000 yards rushing in NFL. Lavernius Coles, pro bowler in NFL. Peter Wark, number four overall pick in, in, the, uh, in the NFL draft. Randy Moss. <laughs> and Walter Jones. I look, think Walter Jones might have gotten that. Like a man with a, an award named after him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Randy Moss, that's right. He is the, uh, the punt return guy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, like, that is the kind of talent that was walking through Tallahassee at that time at the peak of when this thing was up and running. And, like, that was, that was uh, like, great memories of, uh, of my family and me. Like, when I had um, my cousin Tuan, who went there in 95, of just, like, falling through all that. And that was just a great, like, 99 was her senior year. And, you know. It just be like it just be funny to hear like Alex, um, or her her sis her brother Alex and and like when they would lose a game on campus like how down it would be for like because the season was done because they were like oh well national championship game is kind of out of the question now we might be able to sneak back in there we'll see how that goes like it used to be a thing where it's like they were that good for that long and that's staying excellence but like it's just um the run to get there where it's just like in the eight seventies eighties we're building up and like we'll play. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. You can't do that no more. Conference schedules and all that kind of stuff. Nobody wants to play non-conference unless you're um, Alabama or you're in the uh, Big Ten. Like going to play uh, Nebraska in Nebraska, like four times, like three or four times in the '80s. All road games. You never get a home game. Go play LSU like three straight years, all the all in Baton Rouge, no home game. Go to Notre Dame, no home game multiple times. That, that's never gonna happen no more. Um, but yeah, like what he built was he built, you know, Miami and Florida State, like the last two powerhouse programs of the last 30 years. Like, there might not be anything else that comes to that. Like, if you want to say Clemson, sure, but Clemson had won a national championship game in like 80 or 81. But like build a football powerhouse basically and got it out in the mud. I don't think it's ever going to happen again, especially with the consolidation that we're having with uh, these conferences. Like, it's going to be oh, real no. hard to do. Labels. Yeah, it's going to be real hard to do, but um, I think I'd be remiss to say, say that, like, if I didn't say that, like, the end, uh, at the end, I was, I didn't want him to ever leave the program or be forced out. That ultimately ended up happening. Um, I, I figured that I, I thought that if it's something he built from him, himself, that he should be able to walk away whenever he wanted to. Um, they decided otherwise. He he says that he wanted to stick around one more year to get it right before leaving. I don't necessarily believe that now in retrospect, but um, that's what he was saying at the time. Um, they changed over at the right time. Um, and like the end of his life, he was... I, and quite frankly, a lot of it was like, I thought that like, it was a situation where he was so dedicated for so long 
that this would be a situation where like he leaves and he dies soon. Like it's one of those things where like I lost my reason to live and um, luckily that didn't happen. Like his last season, 2009, this is 2000 or this is 2020 season just ended and, he, and, he, and now he's passed. Um, he was around, a, he's a, at first he wasn't around often, but then eventually he would come around with Jimbo. It was the thing of like, I, I, I don't want to be over there to overshadow him, which I do appreciate and all that kind of stuff. But um, he, he's, he has a statue out front. Like, you know, like it's, it's, um, it's Dope Campbell Stadium and the field is called Bobby Bowden Field. Um, I, uh, I don't know how to get to this, but, you know, um, his politics have been, um, mentioned like towards the end, like in, especially last winter when he, you know, talked about his, uh, his support for Trump. Um, and quite frankly, like that doesn't surprise me. Um, if I had told you a dude that was born in 19... 29 or 1930 from Birmingham, Alabama that went to the University of Alabama as a quarterback and running back, transferred to uh, Howard College which is now Sanford College like if I told you that what would you think? And became a head football coach for, for college football like yeah, I, I think he would have been a Republican um, I, I don't know what to do with that um, his players loved him, and that's what—that's all I can really do about that. But it does say something that, at this time, what was going on? Like, you know, I don't know if he didn't talk to his players or what, but or whatever he felt. But he was a—he was a uh, a devout Baptist man. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what his, I don't know what to speak on that. But like, it was something that needs to be talked about. How he, at the end, like, he let it be known, like. He was MAGA. Yeah. So that, that part sucked, but like I'm not gonna let all of I'm not gonna let that part like ruin like what he what I loved and what he brought uh what he gave to me for uh most of my life. So that's kind of where I, I leave off on it. Right. Um and you know, we always talked about it on this show, like life's about trades a lot of the time. It's like sometimes you gotta trade something off for either your happiness, your sanity, your whatever, because it's like it's really hard to live a life where you have a hard line on everything. Every, people are human. So, like, you know, I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. Right. He's obviously been in the news the last, like, year and a half. Every time I see it, I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> like, but at the end of the day, I'm like, it's Chris fucking Jericho. Like, I, I don't know what to do with it. And, and, I, and I'm shocked. And I'm like you look at his life and you feel like it doesn't make sense. And then you're like, maybe it's not for me to understand. Like I, and you know, life's about trades, you know, he may like have, um, you know, he may have something to where we'll take it from him, (laughs) but not everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. And, And one thing is like, my entire life, like, think about it. He died. He 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 died uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. He died yesterday at ninety-one years old. So that means, like, as long as I've known him, he's been an old man. He's like in the nineties. He was in his sixties. Right. Like when people were talking about um, when there were talks about him possibly becoming an NFL coach, because people actually did that or whatever else he decided not to. That was in the eighties. Like he's older than Joe Gibbs. By like a decade. 
I'm, I'm supposed to like I'm supposed to like hold it up against an old a old white guy from Alabama like that of of you know like maybe I should maybe I'm being naive on that maybe I should say like hey like you were encountering all these black people in your lives no one ever was able to like explain to you like how this is but it's like what's the point I know what it is like mm-hmm. this happens for tons of uh, of head football coaches that are most of them are uh, conservative white guys yeah um so like. If you want to get into that part of it, we can do it. But, like, I don't have that much of it to go on with his political views other than, like, he's a Christian conservative. I knew that. I knew that. I've known that for, I'm what, I, I turned 34 this year? I've known that my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, you live here. <clears throat> you live in the South. You live here. Like, they're going to be trade on what you do with, to interact with any white people. Any white people, period. Like, in... That's that's um that's a trade off you made with a lot of people to like uh to be able to you know enjoy anything right like there's no such thing as conflict free any version of entertainment um I, I know it sounds like a cop out but it's like I understand that part I can compartmentalize it and say that like hey like that part was a cool I enjoyed the I enjoyed the football though right yeah um. So yeah, I guess uh, I, where do we go from there? I guess it's time to talk about football stuff or uh, not football stuff. This is in the football podcast. My bad. <laughs> but talk about um, other part of the sports world. Yeah. The Olympics wrapped up. So yes. as the Olympics wrapped up, that means one thing: there was in or international basketball that was had before this was all said and done. Now while we last left our last left this off, I believe we were we had lost to France, right? In group yeah, play, we lost, we lost the opener in group play. Yeah, um, so, we have since won the gold medal. Yes. So you watched this? I did not. What were your thoughts on this this Man. particular Olympic run? This was so up and down. I'm very <laughs> happy for for this team because they seemed to be embarrassed by that first game, and they were like, "This can go one of two ways." We can be 2004 or worse, or we can still do everything we came to do. And from that game on, they just started defending. They started, like, hitting threes. They started jiggering with the lineup a little bit. And Durant just became, like, you know, who the fuck he said he was or who, who everyone thinks he is. Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant. Correct. And okay. it's like. He's our all-time leading Olympic scorer now for men. He's the greatest U.S. Olympian ever, like for basketball at this point. Three gold medals. Um, third, do you want to like, do you want to expand that out to the women's side too, or just men's? Just men's. Okay. Like, okay. Cause I, I'll say just men's, just because um, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird just won their fifth gold medal um, <laughs> the other day. I saw that, <laughs> and the best part about it was how they said how much they loved it. And keep in mind, like these are these are uh, freaking college teammates, right? Yeah. And then they hugged at the end of it, and then and then Taurasi looked at the camera, pointed, and said, "See you in Paris." <laughs> so, so like they're. Tarasi is think is thirty nine, so that'd be three years from now. They they could realistically I, do that. They could go I, for six. I think I think she could. Sue says she was done. Oh, okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Sue That's said sad. this is her last Olympics. That's so, sad. Um, but as far as Team USA, they started defending. They took they they really like went the fucking hard way for this one. So 
like <clears throat> they lost that first game to France, right? So they had to beat Iran and then the Czech Republic to even qualify for group play. And then the group play matchup. Oh, first round. Oh, who do we have to uh, face? Fucking Spain. <laughs> so um, we were able to beat them. And then um, who do we have waiting for us? Patty Mills in Australia. So you already know what that was. Um, they beat us too in the exhibitions. And then we came back and just, you know, beat them. And then in the now people want to talk about redemption angles and arcs and shit. That's what this was all in one because France was waiting for us in the last game and it was like it couldn't do nothing with us. Like it's, yeah. it's just, it just came down to it and they weren't lights out uh, or there was no one going lights out like last game. Like uh, no Fournier going, you know, torching us or anything like that. And it was just these guys having a whole lot of fucking pride and hearing what people were saying about them. And I'm glad that they got to shove it up a lot of people's ass that weren't rooting for them in good faith and criticizing like I was, but the people that were desperate and wanting them to lose for, you know, their because own they're black lives matter yeah, for their own selfish reasons. <laughs> like that's why I'm like, yo, that's why I root for team USA basketball so hard every time, like men's and women's. And like, I was sad to see our soccer team lose. Um, you know, they, they uh, the women's soccer team uh, lost to I forgot who they lost to, mm-hmm. but um, they were silver. I saw some fucking shot from Rapinoe at uh, like a highlight today. I don't know how the fuck like this happened. So she made a goal off of a corner kick and the ball like looped in an angle like over the goalie. I was like, I've never seen no shit like this <laughs> in my life. So. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm very happy for, for Team USA. I said a lot. I was very, like, worried about them. Me and James talk about, uh, like, about two years out from every Olympics. We're like, all right, like, who's the who's the lineup that, that we're going to send out there uh, next time and, you know, stuff like that. And, like, you know, Duran is right in a sense. Like, they, they say, you know, the world is caught up. Everyone always says that. It's like they really haven't. Like, it's just like do our, do our guys, like, want to – like, do we want to keep sending our best? Right. And uh, I don't know if Durant's going to play again. This may be his last Olympics, but um, he definitely, throughout this decade, like, he's owned Team USA basketball from 2010 in Turkey. Um, you know, the first time he showed up and he was fucking killing people. And we're yep. like, this man's built for international ball. Um, yep. the, the 2012. And they used that to spring forward into into the next season, too. Right. NBA season that year. I and remember it, that. And in 20, like his uh, three, he had 30 points in a gold medal game in 2012, 30 in 2016, and 29 in, um, you know, this past one. And it's like, whenever we've needed him internationally, like this last decade has been, Duran has owned this fucking, like, thing, essentially. Like, LeBron was there in 2012. Like, Durant was right there with him, like, scoring tons of points. And he essentially, like, seceded Mello who, like, in an international play is a fucking dog. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why it, like, favors him the uh, the way it does. But everybody knows Olympic Mellow is, like, you know, another fucking that's – that's another guy. But, um, yeah, very proud of this team. Uh, very proud of them representing the country and not embarrassing us themselves. Uh, Greg Popovich, you know, took a lot of shit in the beginning. And, you know – some of it was earned. However, um, they they got the gold, and that's that's all we can ask for. And like, 
it took it took a it took a real team effort defensively, and I'm proud that they like they they committed to it and they said fuck it, we ain't come over here to lose because they could have like tucked their tails like yeah. and just just been like you know what fuck this why are we here yeah easily yeah and um you know there's also some reports that there was that there was a little bit of dame time in in tokyo in the gold medal game so uh gotta mention that there was some there was some glimpses of of dame time um yeah uh i was gonna say what was i going to say oh yeah i know what i was gonna say so do you think the outcome is different if France, by the skin of their teeth, don't just just eke out Slovenia before the gold medal came. No, I think we beat Slovenia too. Okay, like, I'm do you sorry. think it sucks like, that Luca ended up with no gold, with no medal oh, after all that shit he did? It's it's kind of funny. Like, I, like Luca was awesome. Of course, I wouldn't know because like they didn't let us watch any of his fucking <laughs> games. But um, you just see his box scores and right. some of the highlight clips. Like, he was awesome. That man got a free flight over to Tokyo and back. You know, so that that was it. You know, um, that's fucked up. <laughs> Free flight, <laughs> like, and, and I, I'm happy Durant was able to do it because, like, what, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing, especially like from people like Nick Wright, like, I feel like people were wanting the USA to lose, so they could like certain certain segments, so they could blame it on Durant. And use this as a way to like make him seem worse compared to LeBron, and say we needed LeBron in the Olympics. Like all y'all that were doing that sucker shit, y'all are hoes. Um, when it comes to Team USA basketball, you have to drop your narratives, your fucking uh, your club affiliation, your team affiliation. Is this like yo? You're playing for each other and the fucking like dominance of the globe. Like none of that other shit matters. Yeah. And the thing for me is just like, if y'all want to do that, then like, I'm sorry, but like Durant won the fucking gold medal in 2006. That's already over with. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, um, France got a silver. Um, people were talking that this is the first time, uh, Australia ever got a medal. They got a bronze, and you know, Patty Mills was awesome. They dropped the all tournament team, uh, I believe I saw. And I'm going to pull that up uh, real fast here. But of course, it was led by Kevin Durant. Um, and then uh, Rudy Gobert was your starter in center. Um, Ricky Rubio, Luca, and Patty Mills. Hmm. Huh. Patty Mills, um, quite unstoppable in international play. Like, yeah, just wait, just wait till the finals. It's gonna be. <laughs> I, I, they gonna they gonna put a boomer's jersey on underneath him. I, I can tell now. Maybe look, actually, you don't even need that because he's gonna whatever he's gonna be wearing, he's gonna be wearing white and black. So it's so gonna he, be like he, he wearing a Spurs like jersey. Spur. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, look, man, it's the finals. It's against. It's gonna be presumably against LeBron James. I already know how. I've seen this move before. He could have became a Laker. That man said, "Hey, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I, I know. I know what I'm here for. I'm here. I'm here to make LeBron James life hell three points at a time." <laughs> oh man, do you know. we need to talk about that? About the two label thing? 
Sure. Oh, man. The Lakers. We haven't talked about the Westbrook trade, have we? We haven't. We haven't. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook uh, gets traded to the Lakers for, like, uh, Kuzma and KCP and uh, Montrez Herald and, what, like a draft pick or two? Something like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where they be getting that, these assets. I thought we traded them all off. Well, remember, um, like, when you trade, when you trade with, uh, trade off, like, because of the magic or the, the, uh, that Cleveland trade with the Lakers that ended up netting them James Worthy, you can't trade draft picks consecutively. The rule. You have to trade them every other year. So, like, the Lakers had ha- every other year of their draft, they basically said the other half, y'all gonna have that a little bit. You know, here you go. Um, I think it was less than that. It wasn't like, you know, the next decade of draft picks are gone, but it's, it's uh, something like, I think some like uh, six of the next or four of the next uh, six years or whatever, Lakers draft picks are belong somewhere else. But yeah, um, Russ Westbrook is on a team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and um, also added to the team was Carmelo Anthony. Uh, who else? Dwight Carmelo. That's right, Dwight Carmelo. Um, Kendrick Nunn. Yep. Wayne Ellington. Ken yeah. Bazemore. Trevor Ariza. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and that goes with really it, it. Yeah, and that goes with what this the, the Nets already had with Duran and Harden and Kyrie and uh Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and um Joe Harris to go with uh Patty Mills. And they may have had one other signing. Oh, I think Andre Iguodala is choosing between the Lakers or the Warriors, going back to the Warriors or going to with the Nets, which means to me like he he went to the Warriors. Okay, well, I, before I even knew that, it was meant to me like he's either going to either play in the West Conference Finals against LeBron James or play in the NBA Finals against LeBron James. Like, I would have liked it if he had gone to the Nets. Gonna be like, look, bro, that means we have that means we have played each other in like what two thousand five, six, seven. I'm oh, sorry, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 20, and then 21. I'm sorry, 22. If you like, yes, we have played each other in the finals where I have basically guarded the best basketball player in the world or something or close to it for like five or sorry, uh, yeah, no, six of the last eight finals. That would have been that would have been like a really cool, neat story, like a neat little like subplot of like Andre Iguodala is, is the ultimate LeBron James garter. He gets he has Look. he has won some, he has lost some, but it has been fun the whole time. Like uh Jerry West showing back up to the final. Sam Jones be like, you again, Jerry? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but he's on the Warriors, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah. Uh, I just want to know, are, are the teams fair? Like, is is this like, you know, is, is this a fair matchup? You know, do, do we have to worry about, like, you know, say, saying it's unfair is is you know a landslide. It's a it's a dead giveaway. Who's gonna win? And oh well, I think that the Nets are going to win. I think the Nets have a better. I think the Nets like if you told me, all right, you take LeBron and you take Durant and you move them off to the floor. The next best next uh, player you would take would be who would be Anthony Davis, right? Healthy, right? Yeah, I'd probably say so. All right, I think in in the playoffs, I'd rather have James Harden in Kyrie Irving than before Westbrook. But that that comes down to opinion, right? Like, I, if you want to just go down to a simple breakdown, 
Like, I think that the Warriors... I'm sorry, the Warriors. The, <laughs> the Warriors. Uh, I think there's a simple breakdown. Like, everything comes really easy for the Nets except for playing some defense, right? Like, maybe they're, they lose because of a lack of defense and rebounding, right? Like, sure, the, the Lakers should crush them on the boards, but, like, the way they, the way they get their points this season... It will no by no means be easy. It will it will be nothing but grit, grind, and hard work. That, like uh do you remember the uh the old um Floyd Mayweather like twenty four seven stuff where he showed himself uh working out and stuff and if his yeah. his team would be like he'd be like, Show me that money, that money that money motivates me. It's like hard work, dedication, hard work, dedication. It's gonna take a lot of that for Lakers to win this title, cause I like I this as far as like putting the ball in the basket, the Nets have more easy options to do that than the Lakers do with Westbrook in, in, uh, they don't necessarily have a, a, their shooting is better than last year. I, on paper at least, but I think they have gone from very bad to in the middle of the pack to pair to the Nets who are like, they're probably gonna be the best three point shooting team in the entire league. If not in the top five all year long, like it's just easier. Like you have the easiest bucket to ever live. You have James Harden, one of the greatest scorers of all time. You have Kyrie Irving, one of the greatest scorers in his position of all time. And, like, they can all get their own shot at any point in time. Like, I don't really know necessarily. Like, I, you can, in theory, in theory, you can say the same thing for Anthony Davis, but he's not going to have the ball when Russell Westbrook's around on, on a team. Like, he's not going to be the person to have the ball. Like, remember we used to think that, like, is going to be Kevin Love and LeBron James as the two best players on the team. No, because he's not he's not going to have the ball. It's going to be Kyrie. Right. So, uh, yeah, like, with Westbrook there, like, it may, I think that this may kind of nerf Anthony Davis to an extent, but we'll see how this goes. But either way, I think these are the two best teams in the league. If they have decent amount of health, like, obviously with the Lakers, like, somebody's going to go down. You don't know who, but somebody's guaranteed to go down given their age, but... I think that like we are so old. Like yeah. When, yeah. when I when I saw those names continue to roll in, like I'm very excited about Russell Westbrook fin- finally becoming a Laker. Like I feel like that man spiritually should have been a Laker for a long time. <laughs> like I've been waiting for him to come home. So very happy about that. But um, I saw all those names keep rolling in. I saw Trevor Reza. I was like, bro, <clears throat> he's he been watching 2018. Like, yes. Yeah. I was like, what is this? And I'm just like. Is LeBron the GM trying to do like you know trying to just have all all of his his peer group around <laughs> like like what is this like um, excited to see Carmelo as a Laker kind of um, I think he might have some juice offensively like let me phrase that I know he'll have some juice offensively well, I just I just well, wonder if um, I wonder what his dedication is to the defensive end of the floor like. I think offensively the best lineup they can run out there would be like some version of like Westbrook. I don't even know, but like I'm, I'm like basically like a front court of like Le- of Anthony Davis at center, LeBron at four, and, or Carmelo at three, Westbrook at point guard, whoever the hell is West Matthews still on the team, right? West Matthews or Wayne Ellington. Yeah, so West Wester Wayne uh, as a shooting guard, like that'd be like the best offensive lineup you can come up with as far as like shooting, spacing, whatever else. Is in, 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 we still it, got Mark Gasol as well. Yeah, like he he'll he'll he's like he'll be platooning with for minutes with um Dwight with Dwight, right? Like that'd be offensive defensive uh, uh, situation, right? If you need one more of either or the other, that's what you go with. 
Got Hall of Famers coming off the bench like the <laughs> Celtics in the sixties. Oh my God! I don't think this. I don't think this is eighty six Walton, but okay, if you say I got so. Three Hall of Famers coming off. The <laughs> I don't think this is. I do not think this is eighty six Walton, but if you say so, sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Kind of. Kind of excited about it. Uh. It's, it's only two labels in the league. Like you know. That's what it seems like. So yeah. further notice, like. You know, we got our good competitive uh, playoffs last year, it seems like. So, um, Super Teams, back with a vengeance. Clutch versus Rock Nation. <laughs> yep. And you see it, it set up and play it out like we've been talking about for years. This is not Lakers versus Nets that, that is on, on the well, floor. That's only what your, your layman, your casual sees. But, you know, between you and I, we know. Well, the thing for me is like – it's less enjoyable for me because, like, when they meet up, they're going to bring up this Westbrook Durant plot line, and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't care. That shit is whack, bro. Like, it's, like, that shit's dead with, like, Durant left, Durant, like, wanted to play better basketball, he went and he did that. Like, the Westbrook part, proof's in the pudding. Like, he's great for, for to be on the regular season, he tries hard. You get him into a postseason situation. He plays so hard, he empties the tank, and then like there's nothing else for him in, in crunch time because he's emptied the tank. Like maybe he's better in the in crunch or in crunch time situation now that like he doesn't have to put all. In theory, he doesn't put all place all that upon him. But we never seen him not do that. So he might even even was a Kevin Durant, he never like chilled in that particular spot. So like maybe we'll see if he can mature enough to say like I gotta have something for these fourth quarters and like I'm older and I got LeBron who's better at a lot of this than me. So we'll see how this goes. Like, but I think that like, they're going to be in the finals and like, I like in a regular season, I'd much rather have Russ Westbrook than, uh, than Kyrie Irving in the postseason. I'd much rather have Kyrie Irving than Russ Westbrook. <laughs> so, and I think that's, I think that's how it's going to play out. And like, I don't think a lot of people like really think of it in those terms, but like, I think that's what ultimately what is a lot of this is going to come down to is like, is it really going to be, it needs to be like talked about between Westbrook and Kyrie and people are going to be so concerned about Durant and LeBron and Durant and Westbrook. And I'm just like, I don't really find that to be all that entertaining, but cause it's, it's so old, but, Whatever we'll we'll see how this goes and we'll see how they play and we're gonna year. see like, who's we're gonna see who's triple doubles count this year. You know, <laughs> uh, I've been seeing Russ get called a stat patter for for years and years and years, and I'm like, well, what about this fucking guy? Like the so, guy that did less in theory. Yeah. Uh. But um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be real interesting because like, man. Like we like know when Westbrook people when people to, talk about the stat pattern, we we know we know Westbrook is used to getting blamed for stuff, but like that LeBron media blame for his teammates when they quote unquote fail him, like oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see uh, if, if that happens. I wouldn't I I I wouldn't necessarily say if it happens. I think it will happen because like Westbrook, that's Westbrook's game, like. I think the best game I think I've ever seen Westbrook play was that game four of the 2012 finals where he like sets the record for most baskets made in a finals game. And then like at the end, he like throws up on his, on, he spits up on his jersey and like coughs up the game at the end. Like there's some, there's just something that happens with him where like crunch time situations in the playoffs or whatever else, it just, it just doesn't, for whatever reason, doesn't manifest. And like, I think a lot of it is, if I was going to actually make the intangible reason for why this stuff happens tangible, I think a lot of it is he plays so hard. He doesn't demonstrate himself to be 
tired in the traditional way that other people get tired where you see like Giannis exhausted you see LeBron exhausted you see Durant exhausted you see that dude standing up straight breathing fine but like his play his play just like tails off in crunch time at times these playoff games I think that's the I think that's the tell for him um and like we'll see like hopefully hopefully like something changes because I would like to get off the dude's back. Like I, I hate to have the harp on the fact that it's like, yeah, he's great for 44 minutes. Like that's not necessarily fun. Like I want to be on the side of y'all when y'all talking about all these fucking breakaway dunks, but it's like the point is to win. Like, so like for me, I, that's, I will, I would like to see that change. Like I would like quite frankly, like to see like a really good finals where I'm not saying like, yeah, one team lost because one person just like went rogue. And like, that's what this finals could set up be. It's like Kyrie Irving go rogue, can go rogue. Westbrook go wrong. And so I was like, I hopefully like, I want to do the, one of these. I hope both teams play well. I hope both teams make it. I hope both teams play well. And I see some great basketball. And I don't have to uh, scapegoat any, or not scapegoat, but I have to say somebody blew it for the other, uh, for their teammates. Yeah. James Harden will blow that shit too. So. He could in theory. He's had a lot of playoff <laughs> stickers. That's true. Um. Yeah, but Yeah. So um, time for basketball, or I keep saying basketball. Time for actual is, uh, fake fight. No, it's not. It's Dipset versus the Locks. Oh shit! It's more, it's, it's more pop cultural shit. That's what we fans. All right, all right, Rich. This is this is your beat because I did not watch this, even though I wanted to get to. I just never got around to it. Man, um, so it's, it's your turn. It's your time. So, so Dipset versus the Locks. Man, this was a demolition. Um, wow. And you know, he's just just thinking about who you think is gonna win ahead of time. I'm like, oh, all right, I I think I'll take Dipset, whatever. That's what I thought off off. You know, just thinking about it, thinking like, all right, well, I think that this is you know versus more or less popularity contest, and I think that Dipset has you know done more as far as making you know hot records people remember. Then I forgot that Jadakiss in in these versus things is different and has all the timing, the responses, the rebuttals, and quite frankly, they had the streets. And, like, they were forcing Dipset out of their comfort zone. Like, when Jadik is basically saying, y'all niggas ain't no real MCs. Like, y'all over here doing karaoke over over the top of your vocals. We over here rapping. And, like, it's just, like, you forget the locks has, like, they're on so many, like, dope features. They've got incredible mixtape catalog stuff. Dipset, their track listing was all fucked up. By the time like the official battle stopped, there was so much shit they didn't play. Whoever their DJ was should have been fired. Um, But you think the DJ was out there playing anything that they didn't want them to play? Or like they were playing like Purple City Bird Gang and the shit. Now, I like Purple City Bird Gang, but like but like that's not gonna like ride for everyone else. Like they opened up in a way that I was like, oh, they played I'm ready first. I was like, okay, I mm-hmm. think that we bought we bought to see some here. But then like you just start going through it and it was like, bro, JD Kiss is just like he's too much. Like and it and like Cam was trying to save like the, the team in the middle, and but Jewels was an absolute zero. They didn't play Mike Check, they didn't play like a lot of stuff like Dipset did. Um and it came down to like seeing dudes that really knew how to like rap and were respected as lyricists. And then Dipset like kind of rolled in there with the image and like the like they thought 
like they thought it was a coronation, but the locks thought it was like, hey, we coming to prove something. We were always better than these niggas. We're always nicer than them. And like I said uh, in the group chat before, I like people didn't necessarily ever compare Dipset and the locks when I was growing up up there. Like, no. It, it like, I mean, like, it's like a it bunch of like hon- Yonkers dudes versus some Harlem dudes. Like, I mean, uh, it, it no. was like the locks and DMX against like Rockefeller, Jay Z, uh, Siegel, like, you know, that. Like, that was the rivalry or whatever. It was yeah. never, yeah. it was never Dipset or whatever. So that's why that's another thing with the verses that are kind of weird. They'll like match you up with someone that it don't quite fit, but they were able to get people to say yes to do it. Like, they weren't hot at the same time. Okay. Right. Like they were in, like, let's say that like, okay. Cause cam was around in the nineties. Right. But like, let's say like the peak of cam, the peak of cam is like Rockefeller cam. Right. So, so like, that's really like, Oh, two through 2000 purple. What purple haze was 2004 or five. 2004. 2004. Yeah. So I like, say, so basically let's say like from come, come shop with me to, uh, uh, what's the shit called? Uh, uh, Diplomat, D- Diplomatic Community Two, right? Like, that's pretty yeah, much like the like run. Five, yeah. yeah. So like the locks is like in the Rough Rider shit where they're like on like all those like um you know Rough Rider volumes two and three or whatever. And like that is and they're on all those features. And they got shit with Mariah right. Carey and like, right, right, and like right, and like Jada Kiss as a singles rapper was like huge in like two thousand one. You know what I'm saying? So like. Yes, they're both two thousands New York acts, but like their runs, like the peak of their the peak of their powers, where like one was hot and then the other like kind of subside, the other one got hot later on. Like they weren't like the two hottest New York you know groups at the same time. Like they're like there's not that much overlap to be quite honest with you. So like yeah, I agree with you in, from that perspective. Yeah, and like it really came down to Jadakiss being a a far better rapper than everyone on the stage. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, I mean, it's also like, <laughs> look, like no, no disrespect, but like Styles P is a way better rapper than the other f- uh, four people too. Yeah. Like, and it was just like incredible, like presence, like the locks are actually a group. That's true. Um, and Dipset is like, you know, that's Cam, Jimmy and Joel. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, they're taking turns doing songs. They're doing a couple of the songs they got together. I think they would have benefited from like bringing out second string dudes for like one or two songs. Bring out Hellrail. Just bring them out as a surprise. Bring like Hellrail, <laughs> Jr. Jr. And like bring them out and let them do like the pit or something. And it's like, oh, okay, we reaching for like a deep cut here. I think people would have liked that a lot. Mm. But they got stuck playing the wrong songs at the wrong time, talking the wrong kind of shit, and it was just like immediately it was like you ain't got no anthems from New York. And then Jada Kids drops fucking New York in his verse. Um, that it was Joel talking about y'all ain't got no songs for the for the ladies, and then they run off like seven straight songs like uh, the Lock- Ride or Die Chick and showing yeah. them songs they had with fucking Eve that Tim yeah. was doing beats for. Nah, <laughs> bro, they, they kind of do, kind of do. Yeah, it was it was a bad night. If you were if you were um, a card carrying Dipset fan, like it was a bad bad night. It was like, yo, this dude JD Kiss is different. This man's two and zero in these. Like he did the same thing to Fab essentially, and but this is worse than mm-hmm. than what he did to Fab because like you would have thought that would have been a lot more even, but. Like JD Kiss, like like they're not playing. Like when blood pressure comes on, like. It gets different in there, man. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the so. The, like my was, question for you much. is: Do I need to go back and watch it so I can see uh, Jada and Styles do "We Gonna Make It"? 
you have to see all the all the memes. Like we gonna make it was at the very end, right? Okay, and it and it was like inconsequential to the battle. Really, like the battle was over. It was like over like three fourths of the way through it. Wow, or whatever. And it was just like, yo, like what are they doing? And then like the, all the crews are on stage and everything. Like it's wild. Like mm-hmm. there was one point like Cam like kick Styles or some shit. Like there was almost a fight, but they didn't want to fuck up the money. Like there was just a lot to to do here, but. Um, as a you know, I, James, James, you know, like I, you know, as a East Coast hip hop connoisseur, it was a great night. Um, seeing that stuff, and I think people like necessarily don't know how great Cameron is because, like, I saw a a, a switch like flipping him where he knew they were getting dusted mm-hmm. at one point, and he was like, "All right, I gotta really like." you know, come with the energy and all that. And then there was a one point he tried to freestyle and he fucked up and he got booed or whatever. Mm. And it was like, it was like a real short thing. It wasn't like, like people were going to tweet about it and make more jokes about it than it actually was. But I saw a lot of pride from Cam on the stage um, when they knew, when he knew that there was nothing they could do and he was still trying to, trying to go at it. Um, Jimmy and Jewels is just like kind of hanging out Mm. on for the ride. But um, yeah, definitely like this. But this was the night of Jadakiss. This was like, hey, all time Madison Square Garden moments. Willis Reed, um, <laughs> Kobe Bryant, what? Jadakiss in the fucking verses. Like <laughs> that's 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 what, that's what we got. But, Michael Jordan's double nickel. Yes, in, in Jadakiss inside of not actual Madison Square Garden, yes. but like the building that's next to Madison Square. Garden. Yes, all time performance. Get the fuck out of here. Oh my god! Like, ne- like, step aside. Look, all those Billy Joel sellouts. Never mind those. Never mind. New York Rangers. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, make like, room. congratulations on your recent world or your recent Stanley Cup. Never mind that though. Oh my god. Make room. Okada hey. winning the title there. Never yeah. mind that part. Yeah. N- none of it. <laughs> Kiss. Oh my god. So what? They, so. How do they how do they celebrate this? Do they do they put a mic up in the in the arena? Um, I so what they do like uh, he took a picture in the locker room where he like put his jacket up high. You remember that Kobe um picture uh, after the second title when, in the locker room where he's alone and he has the fucking trophy and the, the big jacket and the hat on. Jake yeah, 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 yeah. like the big like the black jacket with a bunch of crazy colors on it. Yes, yeah. Jake has mimicked that or whatever, <laughs> like, and he, but he had a bottle of champagne or whatever. So you got to like put that picture up, you know, oh like onto God. the onto the joint. <laughs> All right, then uh, you be sure to tell the Dolans to, to get that shit up there, then. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> but um, from you know his rap to another rap, uh, Max Caster earlier this week. Oh, Good sake. God. Um, <laughs> so we this is how we get into wrestling i i yes okay i, I, I feel like i could have seen this coming uh with mass caster and i sent a a little bit of a of a tweet thread out about it and i was like i can't necessarily fault the man but then i'm like maybe i can because like like i know better <laughs> then like and i was like well this is the difference between someone like Max Caster and someone like MJF, who we always come on this show and say MJF knows exactly where the line is. It seems like seems like it, yeah. 
and Max Caster, he did his rhyme pretty much talking about, you know, I'll make you claim mental health like Simone Biles. He brought up Duke Lacrosse. Uh, he essentially told <laughs> Julia uh, Hart. Her, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Julia yeah. Hart. Okay. So how old is Max Caster? And he's 30 something. Yeah, he's 32. Why are you talking about like a 19 year old woman's vagina? Like what? So like that's that's one, two. Duke lacrosse the Duke lacrosse line. That's the worst one for me. Like the, okay, like, so what? I'm like I wouldn't touch that one with a ten foot pole because it ultimately is like look man. Um, that's one of those tri- that's one of those famous trials where people don't really remember what exactly happened. Like when people talk about like the, when people talk about like Ray Lewis for example, right? Like when people are like oh he Ray Lewis is a murderer. No, he snitched on the murderers. But like when people talk about Duke, I was like, nah. Like they were assholes, but they absolutely did not rape that woman. Um, in the DA also fumbled, or not fumbled, but like prosecuted people that were not at the time didn't like that was not something that normally gets charged. But because Duke Lacrosse, that team had a reputation for all those years of being, you know, those assholes like that. You know, once you throw in, you know, a bunch of, of a bunch of entitled white guys, second generation rich motherfuckers from out of town that come into come into Durham and they rape a, they rape a black woman, like that's going to be a story. Like that didn't happen though. Like so, people think, but people only remember the case or the the, right, the, the case. They don't remember the trial. They don't remember none of that. So people think of like, oh, they're making a story about the fact that he like, but no, but he knows that people know don't remember that part. So mm-hmm. like. So, like, you can't even say, like, well, you know, he can't even play, like, plausible deniability because that's one of those cases where everybody everybody remembers what, like, the start, not the end. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, he shouldn't have brought that shit up. Simone Biles saying, Simone Biles saying is ignorance because, like, and I was ignorant to this, too. Like, until that weekend where she came out, I was like, I don't have some mental, ang- I have a mental anxiety, but it's not because of, like, I'm weak-minded. It's because, like, there's a because of doing gymnastics ailment like yeah like it's like i'm dizzy it's basically like saying i'm dizzy and i can control being dizzy is like okay that's not the same thing like this isn't something like clearly like his her equilibrium is fucked up from doing so many twists that she can't perform her thing without like possibly landing on her neck so it's like all right you wouldn't have somebody go out there and do the fucking vault when they were drunk would you so why would you have her do this like of course not so mm-hmm. this isn't mental health that's it's mental health but it's a different kind of mental health like there's a there's a chemical imbalance in her brain that's like literally making shit her equilibrium fucked up so like that's not that's not even the same thing so all of that stuff is like hey bro maybe you shouldn't say any of these three things maybe you should just like come up with something else so yeah like he shouldn't have said that shit like as far as people saying he should be fired if that's what she if that's how you feel I, I, I'm not gonna disagree with you, but I don't look at it the same way, and, I, and I'll leave it at that. I have a difference of opinion on that. I think that, um, I think that like given what we've done in AEW, people have fucked up. Whether it was like Excalibur, or or it was um Sammy Guevara, or something came up that showed past where they fucked up, send their ass off to sensitivity training, and bring it back. If they fuck up again, we have a different conversation. But, um, I don't think that that justifies he should be off TV. And and banished from uh, major American professional wrestling. I don't necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't think many people have made those calls. That's the kind of the out the fringe. But people are like, "Hey, bro, that's fucked up that you said this stuff." And also, like, how come this wasn't edited? 
I, so right. I think that's I think it's the main thing is like one he should have said none of this shit and two it should have been added like off. nobody watched the show like before you put it up like like uh, apparently like Tony Khan said he's gonna take over the editing of the program after he was working on something else at the time during the thing but I'm like man that's convenient um. <laughs> it is but this is what I will say right I'm like there's no one else that like. And that sucks now because now he's adding like yo like this is a busy fucking guy. From my perspective, like, from my perspective, him having to, to fill the field the need to do that that's enough. To, that's enough for Max Cass to be fired if need be. Mm-hmm. Like wait a second, so you mean to tell me we have we? Now I'm not gonna say we from the perspective of that company. Let's let's take it from a fan, fan perspective. Let's take it from the perspective of that company. We got wrestlers that are doing multiple jobs all around this bitch. We got people, you know, coming in, flying in, flying back out, all that kind of stuff. A million things going on. Like, we, and people are giving you trust to not fuck it up for everybody else. Especially, like, the role they're on right now. Like, like any, like, the higher profile the company gets, it only takes a little bit to fuck it up. Right. So, from our perspective, it's like, hey, man, everybody's out here doing their part. Don't fuck this up for everybody else. So like when so for me is like when Tony Khan has to, or whatever like Tony Khan has all these things he has to do now he has to add I have to edit in 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 censor if need be the fucking uh dark show match or dark dark matches is like literal dark matches that aren't on TV on cable they're gonna be on YouTube if he has to edit the YouTube show it's like hey bro that's enough for for him to be fired if if it, if it came down to it just from the part where it's like. You're adding onto the boss's job. You know how many people get fired for that in their regular day life for making their boss's jobs harder? <laughs> just, 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 I don't mean like he should be fired for things he said. Just like you made your job, your boss's job even harder when you work for him. Now he has to do work for you. That what? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but nobody's talking about him being fired from that perspective. So I'm leaving that alone. But like, yeah. So whatever. I, I just think like he. he I don't know if there's an actual doghouse in AEW. I don't think this ever exists for anybody yet. I think they kind of like leave people alone to even get to that point, kind of like when, you know, Eva Lee's no longer with us. Uh, so, with us, like I'm part of the team, like with AEW. Uh, so, like, yeah, I, I think that, like, I think he needs to chill out for whatever, for whatever it's worth. Like, if you want to do if you want to do that gimmick where you, when you're an insult rapper and you and you out here looking like just shit compared to the death row or death row to hit row then like maybe he felt pressure he has to say more edgy stuff because he's out here getting out wrapped on a weekly basis i don't know but like speaking this can't continue he's gonna have to evolve or do his thing and be okay content with getting aired out by uh, by getting or getting out getting flamed by um hit row every week like i think he um because like i've dabbled in like the shock jock rapping like you know, when I was younger and all that, like ten. Oh, years I know. So quite like, aware. You know, you know. So I'm like, man, I can't really condemn this dude. But then, like, he's 32, so it's like, and you were doing the you in your early and mid 20s. Yeah. So, I'm like, and he does the thing every week with TMZ that's been set up, and he. What's that? He he has this thing, this weekly TMZ segment where he wraps up the week like in a rap. Like I think Mark ah. set it up for him or whatever. But um, so it's like skills except for the, except it's weekly instead of a year. Yeah. Okay. So um, and, and you know it's pretty all right. But like I see Max Caster's style and I like you know him as the rapper or whatever. But I'm like, whoa. And I I kind of on Twitter explained exactly what he's doing. 
Like, I'm like, he's waking up. He's he's surveying the landscape of like the outrage, the right wing outrage, and then he's flipping it into jokes. Like, <laughs> like, and the stuff that like they fuck with a lot of the times can get you fucking tripped up out here, buddy. You yeah, have to maybe maybe stop like parroting like culture war talking points. Maybe maybe just maybe stop doing that. Like there's a lot you can say when it when it comes to dissing somebody in a rap, like in an eight bar rap. How can you fuck up that much? Like you have twenty seconds. <laughs> that's how long an eight bar rap is. You have depending on the seconds. beat, yeah. Depending on the beat, yeah. Bro, like there's twenty seconds, and he's got the same beat every time, right? So he doesn't have yo, to like yo yo yeah yeah. He's got the same beat every time, so it's like don't blow it for yourself. Don't blow it for um, Anthony Bowens. Don't blow it for the company. Yeah. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Don't fuck the money. Like, how hard is that? So learn the line. Yeah. Because if you don't, like, I don't know, bro. Like, you're not on TV for your wrestling. Like, this is how you're going to become a star. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. So, um, what else we got? NXT is dead. Graveyard. Speaking of, like, fucking it up. Jesus. Philosophy change in NXT. This comes on a couple weeks after Vince McMahon's visit to the PC, which it was said. Everything was just fine. It was a, it was a positive visit and all this other stuff. We had, during SmackDown, we had 13 wrestlers from NXT released. And... After that, Dave came out and put a report out saying, yeah, um, no midgets, no one over 30, uh, and big guys. Um, it's almost like, yeah, we going that, that whole era that has, like, you know, been from, like, the, the network era of NXT forward, it's over. We've closed that book. James, a man that has hosted the NXT then, now, is forever. Uh, podcast and regularly kept our listeners up to to date on the NXT. Like I, I checked out quite a while back. I'll check in every so often if Swerve's doing something, he wants to check something out or uh, anything I might find interesting. I'll take a look at it. Um, a lot of conversations sprung up this last week. People blaming Gargano and Ciampa, which is fucking crazy in my opinion. But um, what do you make of all this though? I haven't really talked to you about it. It's over. Um, the run of NXT from, uh, like you said, the, le- the network launching in February 2014 to now, that run of, of uh, in style of, of pro wrestling and how it evolved over the years into being more indie-rific to accommodate more veterans from around the world that came in um, as a place to get hot to eventually go to the main roster before Vince like gave them three weeks and then quit on them. Um, that seems to be over. And that's very sad for me because NXT is my last tie to actually caring about WWE at all. Um, I watched the pay-per-views on the main roster. Some of the pay-per-views in the last, like, uh, of recent have actually been like good shows, not great shows, but good shows at least. Uh, well, I think there was one show that I thought was damn good, but whatever. Um, 
watching them week to week is not an event. It is not something that you need to watch this week and then um, unless it's something that's being built like a, like a big show, like a uh, New Year's Eve or Halloween Havoc, two title matches on one week, there's not a need to watch this show on a weekly basis like it used to be. Um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but it is in line with what we thought was going to happen to NXT as it moved to USA, as Vince gave more notes to change the show to make it be able to have mass appeal to be able to beat AEW or Dynamite. And the more the notes have, the more they've listened to the notes, the worse they've done. Um, from a viewership standpoint, from a star-making standpoint, from a program-making standpoint, from a in-ring product. Like, NXT, even as it was not, um, for a lot of people, not necessarily Destination Television to watch weekly live, um, when it was on Wednesdays on the network, um, it was still a, a, a show where, like, you would get one to two great matches a week, and you would tell people to go check it out. NXT, after Portland in the pandemic, it ceased to be such a thing. It would be at times where they would have great matches, but like the you tune in guaranteed to get yourself a three and three quarter to four and a quarter star match, or maybe even higher, depending on the week, depending on special of the whatever the match and the stakes. No, um, and that's sad. And the booking got worse, and the programming got worse. Like last year, we didn't have a single. Uh, program or feud make a list of candidates for feud of the year last year it didn't deserve it there's nothing this year there like by the end of this gar or not gargano the end of this uh uh colin o'reilly thing it'll end up being up there like they already have two four and a half star matches and they're they're bound to have a third one in a couple weeks or whatever else but that's really it right like they were really good. Triple H, regardless of how many times he did some screwy thing or goofy thing over to, as this thing got more and more out of hand, um, he would always figure out how to give you a a build towards three weeks for something for the next thing. But it kept it was the hot shotting where it's like, okay, that's cool, but then what? Like, what's what's actually the game plan? Where are we get, actually get building towards over three over three months? Uh, four months, possibly six months. There was none of that when there used to be that all the time in NXT. Um, and in that part, people, sorry, there's been a lot. Of, there's been a lot of people dropping these retrospective columns, like where to go wrong. There was a, there's one on dead. They started hot shotting. That's what went wrong. There was one on Voice of Wrestling from Garrett Kidney. It was like the one thing that once people stopped moving up, like your Cole Gargano, like your four guys, like your undisputed era, mm-hmm. Gargano and Champa. It's like. The problem in NXT that they ran into, which they never had to deal with when people were doing their one year in a day, uh, was <laughs> what do you do with the people after their, you know, their their championship story? Like they were telling the easiest story in the world for like four years, yeah. And then once the talent dried up, it was like, well, after these takeovers, um, the people on our minds were not their PC trained people. Like that, it was never that. And it was always like, yo, they just kicked the shit out of the main roster. Like, they, bro, they regularly kicked the shit out of the main roster. Like, how many WrestleManias? How many SummerSlams? Like, have they run them the fuck out the building? I think but, there has been one time where they have ran on the same week where uh, 
where the main roster had the better show, and that would be the Royal Rumble 2018, and that's because of what we thought it meant for Asuka and Nakamura in those two Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. And, like, it wasn't because they outworked them. Like, it's a fucking Royal Rumble. And they they never had to keep a star hot after for they long. lost the title. Right. And they had, like, for me, when NXT started changing, like, the the crystallization of what I was talking about, like, there was a while I was trying to put it into words where I just was like, hey, it's a scam. But, like, I could never, like, finger point something. It was like, all right, once we get that, you know, we're watching all that terrible TV in late 2018 with Baron Corbin running raw into the fucking, like, muck. Um, and they, Rollins and Ambrose having one of the worst feuds ever. Yes. And then they're like, all right, the answer is fucking Lacey Evans, Lars, EC3, Nikki Cross, and Heavy Machinery. And I'm like, you think, what, huh? The, all these people that, like, don't even have fucking takeover matches? Like, like what is going on here? And then they were creating something in NXT that had no purpose for the, like, they were not, quote-unquote, preparing people for the main roster. Now, the main roster is fucked up, right? So, like, it's like, all right, we'd almost rather them just be what they were. But it was always going to end this way because, like, Vince is the one in charge. Like, Hunter doesn't run the main show. So, like, for me, kind of, it's like, well, at least it all can suck. Like, we don't have to, like, like pretend anymore like that these people have hope going forward and it's like I can just pretty much say okay it's all one vision now like one vision of whether it's trash or not like it's one vision of trash like there's not like this place where these people get stagnated and we're just like waiting for them to to get picked off or their contract to start coming up and all that stuff is happening too now all these contracts are coming up from all these people that have signed on top of all these cuts they're making. And we always wondered about that too. I'm like, well, they got to get such and such on the main roster because they only have a year left, like on their deal and stuff like that. And this stuff is like crystallizing and happening even more now. So I don't know, man, like it's uh, like I have friends that (laughs) obviously are working at NXT and it's like, man, I hope that I hope that he's okay. And, you know, even even if he's quote-unquote not okay in WWE, he'll be in. Um, it's just like they – this man, like, when the chips are down, he's always going to revert to his old self. We need big guys. We need stiffs. Like, it's going to be a bunch of Mason Ryan, Baba Tunde motherfuckers in there. And I'm like, that totally doesn't excite me. They don't understand it. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan getting over and becoming like the enduring stars they were officially broke them because like they saw that shit and they're like we never really wanted to do that shit anyway so now that all that shit's over quote unquote and we lost and this is also like a response to losing the AEW and it's like I'm just gonna do the whole thing my way like Hunter's rapidly losing power I wouldn't be shocked like one day that he doesn't work for WWE huh Never really thought it would go that far. Um, but what I will say is, like, the fact that they had two different visions, 
the fact they did have two different visions doesn't really bother me because like one person has a has a closer idea to what the fuck is going on than the other. And just because mm-hmm. the one that has a better idea what the fuck is going on is the one that's basically uh, with the kids and the one and the old man is on top fucking up um, everything. Like I don't necessarily I don't necessarily like think that like we should all just I, I as a wrestling fan should watch all the wrestling or all the all that talent get spoiled because one guy is out of his fucking mind and one person has more of a clue. Now, from from from, I think the thing for me is, um, they the thing that I I'm I'm stuck on is from the perspective of multiple fans is, um. There are at first there were WWE fans and then there are wrestling fans that just want to watch good wrestling, and AEW was the outlet to watch a bunch of good wrestling from the WWE perspective because they don't want to do that right uh, for whatever reason. Then AEW comes around to be another alternative for more good wrestling, and then they weaponize the one like goodwill thing they have to the people that like good wrestling, which I believe there are more people that like good wrestling than WWE sports entertainment. Maybe I stop, maybe I stop calling it good wrestling. So people won't just immediately put their guard up when I say this, but let's say professional wrestling is sports entertainment. NXT was always more studio wrestling, eighties, JCP era, professional wrestling. And Style wrestling, inspired wrestling. So as AEW comes around and basically does uh, professional wrestling with a lot of the glitz and the production value in the bright lights and the packed arenas that sports entertainment has, it's kind of a best best of both worlds. And they were telling us that this didn't exist anymore. Like this way would not work. Yeah, because you know it's, it's for the bingo halls, right? Um, so you're setting up studio wrestling, like you setting up sports entertainment, trotting out its studio wrestling, studio professional wrestling outfit to go up against professional wrestling done with sports entertainment aesthetics, and then thought like it was it should win. What? Like, uh, you talked about how you had listened back to a 2000, like a, I think it was like a summer or fall 2019 episode of One Issue Radio. We, we both predicted, like, AW was going to be unbothered by NXT coming in, right? Yeah. And it was like, why are y'all surprised that this lost? Of course it was going to lose. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? It's like, It'd be like getting upset at Boise State for not, like, beating Oklahoma, like, all the time. Right. Like, it happened one time. Doesn't mean it's supposed to happen all the time. Um, and, like, as a... And then, like, from the perspective of... So now, because your studio wrestling show in front of 400 people weekly, the same 400, about, most of them are, like, over half of them the same fans every single week... Until the pandemic hits, and then, like, you have no idea what to fucking do. It's like the pandemic was the great equalizer because, like, it took the crowd 
the quote unquote cheating from AW that they got to go to different arenas and everything like that it was like, all right, we're going to put it in the same place. And then I think one show came and came apart and one got tighter almost. Absolutely. Like NXT did not have these problems until, until the pandemic came around. NXT was still a very good show until the pandemic around. Like, you can you you know like you talk about that November when they moved to uh, or sorry actually uh, September when they moved to NXT or moved to USA, and then all the way into that February to Portland happened like that was excellent television. You were getting four and a quarter star matches. You were getting uh, Ciampa comes back. You're getting Finn Balor coming back and dropping Johnny's head on the fucking uh, gate. Right. You were getting like a substitution for that. You were getting uh, Riddle versus Finn Balor. You were getting undisputed um in war games and you were getting uh shane or uh, shana versus Rhea and Rhea's run towards that title like it was smoking it was still great and like watching those wednesday shows between aew or sorry uh, aew dynamite nxt was a blast to cover but then like the pandemic happened and everything changed and then like you get the the goofy thing we're like we're gonna make uh we're gonna make Keith Lee, the champion, uh, the U.S. or the sorry, North American champion. Then like, oh yeah, never mind. Like a month later, we're also gonna make him double champion. Then like, oh, he's gonna vacate the belt. So what the fuck? And then Cross comes in, and then like Cross, uh, like does a Brock Lesnar run towards the title, and then he gets hurt in the middle of that where he wins the title, and it's like, all right, so why did Keith Lee even win both belts? And then like they have to stable they stabilize the thing around Finn Balor, and then Finn Balor like has great title matches, a great champion, and then like ultimately that's to lead to getting the belt right back to Cross. And look how and look at what they have to do to get Cross to have good matches. They have to, they have to pick, give five of the best fucking wrestlers in the world to have them to have a four and a quarter match. You know what I'm saying? Like this and along the way, like, you know, there's been goofy stuff like putting the fucking uh, Everize on TV every fucking week with Drake Maverick and Killian Dane and stuff like that and um you know, like even the stuff that they, even as they had like righted the, the ship the drag, this year, the, the dragon lady. Yeah, even as they had righted the ship this year, where like the only thing they had did that was goofy was like people don't like Loomis, people don't like the lore of the dragon lady or whatever else. They took they took both of them off TV uh, for most of this year, and they were good up until what the 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 last the last takeover. And then they had they've had some struggles, but like it took them. Eight months to like pull their heads out their asses, for the most part. Um, so as it all happens, they lose. They lose a war that they knew they were going to lose anyway. And now people are getting punished for losing a war that they set them up to lose and fail in anyway. It's like I don't understand. And but from the perspective of we all know that's happening. We've talked about this. We've we detailing this at the time. This is going to happen. And but seeing the the uh, reaction from like. As I mentioned, like there are sports entertainment fans and then there are wrestling fans, um, pro wrestling fans, and like the pro wrestling fans want to see more more good products available. They don't want to see NXT try to stunt AEW's growth. So there are people, AEW fans, are like, "Hey man, like I may have liked, I may have liked NXT. I may still like the guys that are there, but like what they doing ain't cool." So like I'm I'm, not, I'm out, and also they started doing goofy shit. Like this this isn't like the 2018 run or whatever else. So like whatever, I'm 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 good. Um, so you have that perspective of people looking at like y'all tried to hate and look look at you, hate yep. to see it, right? And then yep. you have the sports entertainment fans that for years 
have hated have, in, have hated NXT because AEW or because NXT has done so many good things. Has spotlighted like in in a way has spotlighted more than any other any any other act or any other promotion. Like how inept this man is as a booker now. Like for him to for for Triple H to consistently bring in talent, consistently push them at a level, consistently get a certain level of match out of these people consistently set these people up to have these storylines over and over and over and over with a new batch of people every single fucking year like clockwork and then for Vince to fuck up every single incoming class by and large like eventually people are going to start saying hey man like if I watch both of these shows one show is consistently better than the other this show has the stars this show does it they can't make any new stars. This show keeps making new stars every single fucking year at, at the level that is at the level that the show's on. What's going on here? So you have all of that that exposed the fact that NXT or that the main roster was the shits at times, or for a lot of it. And then that that resentment, it's not even just the fans. Like we later find out it's from Vince himself. Right. Like he, he wants to fuck Triple H, like instead of up for sabotage. And it's like just to show he's still the man. And I'm like, that's a weird fucking uh, way to run a company, man. Right. And like, like for that, like, do they know it's a work? Like, right. like. <laughs> and to go from that perspective of like the fan base and people reacting to the news of NXT failing and all that kind of stuff, and people like swearing that in swearing that Triple H is like the shits as a booker, even though like. Everybody that like gets booked well, bad, or good or indifferent were all booked better with Triple H like booking them, except for like what Roman Reigns, I guess. Like, like it's it's, it's it's really weird. It's really weird. Like who's doing well in NXT or who's doing well in the main roster that wasn't also doing well in uh NXT that people don't actually were NXT because you know there's a bunch of people that like just sidestep that whole process. So like. Braun Strowman doesn't really count. Alexa Bliss kind of doesn't count. Yeah. But like Finn Balor, Finn Balor was treated great in NXT. He's done pretty well. He had a pretty well career on the main roster. Nakamura was treated great in NXT. Done pretty well on the main roster. Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens in NXT, like w- was pretty much exactly what he was in his first few years in the main roster, which is why reason why like people would love him so much, right? Sami Zayn was treated way better in NXT than on the main roster. Um McIntyre about to say they're both top well, put him top guy on the main event had kick ass matches had had three and a half star or above matches on the main on the main event. So like revival Andrade, uh, Ricochet, like all these people, War Machine, Street Profits, like it's like they're handing you like Bianca Belair, like, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Oscar, Kyrie Sane. Yeah, it's um. What, what do you make of the, of the pendulum swinging back? Bailey, Gargano, Gargano and Champa, like because this was like the the real thing of the week. Oh, like, it's Gargano and Champa were trending this weekend. Oh, it's it's people that like didn't like their feud at the time, even though they couldn't say it, so they had to stay low. And now, like in retrospect, they're bringing up shit from 2018. This now talk about how how bad it was in retrospect is like that's like the same things you hear when people talk about like people like hate Shawn Michaels. It's like, oh, so this was the hottest shit in 1996, so, like, you can't say anything. Like, this is the hottest thing in North America aside from Ray Mysterio Jr., so, like, you can't say anything. 
And in retrospect, the light is like, nah, his his style is not enduring, doesn't last, what a blah 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 blah. It's like, oh, okay, I I I see what you're doing. And it's like that that's your opinion. But like you weren't saying that shit where you when you at the time when it was happening, when people would have said you're out of your fucking mind. You're saying it without it you're saying it now, like four years removed after someone after both of them have been dropped on their necks repeatedly. Yeah, man. Like if you want to say one final heartbeat sucked, go at it. If you but if you want to say the first of uh three matches that it has sucked, you I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry, you're wrong. Like you're just I, wrong. I don't like I, I believe I've gone on record. I actually been in a book saying this. Shout out to Chad Matthews. I was like, the first Gargano and Ciampa match, like you can argue that was the greatest match in WWE history if yeah, you wanted to. You could. I, I think like. it is. Um, after that, like I don't think it was at that level, but right. But we're talking it was about the, really great. But the, so. we're talking about like four and a half star matches. The other two ones, though, Rich. Yeah. How many four and a half star matches have we seen on the main roster in the last five years? I Let's say like four we, years. Let's say four years. I feel like we can count them right quickly if we decide to try. Right, but you know, they, he stared at his hands, meaning too violent. Like, okay, well, like. Do we need to talk about like Kobe? Do we need to talk about Kobe? Don't do this, Kobe. You're gonna you're gonna murder this guy with with the, with the hammer. You're gonna do that. Like, no. Are we are we gonna talk, are we gonna talk about Roman Reigns trying to murder his cousin and, and then thinking about it and not thinking about it? Are we gonna talk about Randy Orton say, hey, burning the fiend is too much. Never mind that. You know what? I changed my mind. I'm going back and I'm going to burn him alive again. Are are we gonna talk about that? Like, what? I, like, NXT it, it, is not allowed to be community theater, but the main roster is allowed to be exclusively community theater. Got it. Gotcha. Makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. Gotcha. Great. Got we're on the same on, on the same page now. Got it. So out of all the releases, it was Bobby Fish, uh, who looked like somebody's grandfather. I ain't gonna lie. Um, Bronson Reed. This was the headliner. This is the this. biggest head, head scratcher. Um, all I can think of is I guess he's not tall. <laughs> not tall don't like the body saw him in person probably went, and shot, probably went and shook Vince's hand in, in person person and he was shorter than him and he was like oh nope can't be a star yep um, Jake Atlas man that Jake Atlas Jungle Boy one man I guess now we get to see how over a- he'll be in AEW like yeah I'm sure he'll be as over as the Jungle Boy sure man um Ari Sterling, who was fuck like the now the thing is like they've hired all these people and changed their names so fast. I'm like not remembering. Was he Alex Zane? Who, I think that was Alex Zane. Yeah. Raw. Um Kona Reeves. Beloved within the company. Um if you if you pull up his uh like pull up his Instagram and check the comments. Like other wrestlers love him, like think Whoa. he's a great worker, all that stuff. But well, I he was gotta, around I a say, long time. Look, he was around a long time. He's around a long time. So in his relationships, there's relationship with people. He was the shits when I watched him. Always was. So like whatever, like. <laughs> then we got um Leon Ruff. Um, Leon Ruff just had a had a belt last year. Or Bronson Reed also had the North American belt. Swear, watch watch your back, bro. Don't don't let them fuck with you. Um, I, I know you won't. But um, Leon Ruff uh, released also. Man was like, like 
I saw Leon Ruff long before he came to NXT, right? Uh-huh. I knew I knew he was exciting, knew he was a good wrestler, all right. that stuff. Right. Then he he got on doing the job stuff. He was um, in his he's one of the best jobbers I've ever seen. Like getting murdered and like dropped on his head. Who can forget Swerve kicking him and all time <laughs> gif. Um <laughs> he'll like Leon Ruff is not done. He'll, he'll be, be fine. around. Yeah. Or let me phrase this. He'll be he'll still be he'll go. He's not going to lack for bookings. Yeah, he's going to get plenty of work. He like he might clean up. Like, um, then there was a ref, Tyler Rust, uh, just was in the Diamond Mine. Uh, where where's you know more of that group did, already? Did you there. hear about the Diamond Mine uh, story? No. So remember when they were pushing like this faction as like they were a UFC or like they were MMA camp, right? Sure. So. As they were setting up these promos or these video packages and vignettes for them, their original plan was to be like exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be like people with the back MMA backgrounds that were in in um, the PC, like Marina Shafir, like potentially Jessamyn Duke, like Arturo Huas. They got rid of Huas. They got rid of Marina Shafir, and then they, sh- they uh, when they launched them, it was. Um, Hideki Suzuki as like the coach with Roddy, who Roddy, even though he is a, tr- a wrestler's wrestler's wrestler, he, a lot of his wrestling can be like just like rolling on the mat if, if it need be. So him as as the front guy and Tyler Rust, who's from a dojo and you know uh, in strong, like being the pin eater, like and that's with with obviously the talker being um Malcolm Bivens. So like that's what they launched with when it could what it when it was originally supposed to be that plus who else plus Marina Shafir in the women's division to make make this all work. Like so they built this thing and he was cool vignettes for months and then when they finally they they kept they were picking this thing up before they even got the launch. They and then and, then, and now they made the launch and now they they've now they're they have one wrestler. They have one wrestler. That man is the literal one man gang on you niggas. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Zechariah Smith, uh, Asher Hale, who's Anthony Henry, I believe. Yeah. Um. He he's been enhancement talent on NXT lately, but like he's obviously good to the eye. You can tell he's good. Giant Zanjir, one of the Indian giants, they got rid of, and then Mercedes Martinez. <sighs> So, Mercedes Martinez may or may not have been, like, let go while she was dealing with a concussion or recovering from right. it. Um, David Bixenspan thinks she should lawyer up. Um, sucks. Like, this this looks like an age one. Like, she's, uh, like, I talked about when she signed. It was like, well, look about where she's from, how long she's been wrestling. This is a Northeast person. Like, this is one of the WWE dream people, um, along with Jake Atlas. Uh, and it's like one lesson, like Nick Jackson once said, and I'm not saying this to uh, to besmirch like Mercedes or Jake, but be a mark for yourself, not a company. <laughs> and that was like one of the most genius things, like, I think I've ever heard Nick Jackson say. And it was just like, Yo, man! Did like, Nick Jackson say that, or did, St- or did Kevin Nash say that? Because I feel like Kevin Nash said that in a different way, like twenty five years ago. Um, like this is a direct quote from Nick Jackson. Okay, but, okay. Um, I'm sure that falls under the Kevin Nash thinking. Oh, definitely. Thinking. So, definitely. 
but um, in Mercedes' case, it's like she's she's been everywhere in the independent scene. Maybe she'll get another look from AEW, but it's like it's not as guaranteed as it was before. So I don't know. Um, I I think she's like awesome. Always have. Yeah, so they like. There is, there's two different Mercedes Martinez in her WWE tenure, right? Or lack of a better word, tenure. Like what she's had on tape. Like there is the Mae Young Classic Mercedes Martinez, and then there is the Mercedes Martinez they have had in NXT, where they had cast, they have casted her as a tall woman that that wrestles like a tall, per, like a big person that does big man, big woman offense, and like that was not what she was when she was in the Mae Young Classic. She was a technical brawler, um, and they changed it up. They made her. Russell, like she was like wrestling, like she was another uh, Rhea, like she was basically supposed to go toe to toe Rhea and Raquel, and basically be a monster as a monster thing because she's pretty tall for the women's division. And I think it failed. I think the music change failed. I think the the look they gave her failed. Um, I think like the people that she had wrestled with towards the end kind of uh, gave way to like what this was. Like this was a means to an end. They actually quote unquote wrote her off TV. Um, as opposed to a lot of people that weren't written off TV, like the way she, she the people, the way, the way she like went out was like, okay, she, I'm not shocked that she's gone, uh, but it does suck because she's very, she's still fucking good, and, um, this this is not someone I think is gonna be hurting for work, but like she's somebody that like has shown and proved that she is good enough to be on television, um, somewhere in like. I don't think this is the end, but it might be because of age, and it sucks. Yeah. But um, yeah, those are um, if NXT's dead. Uh oh, Hickleio's booked on dark. Okay. Um, so it, it's interesting, man, because like they went through a lot of different you know phases and guys and great stories, and then. You just start hearing from this this philosophy change, and you're like, "Damn!" And it's like, "Well, all things like these eras are changing over. Like New Japan's yep. eras changed over. Yep. Um, NXT's era is gonna turn to something else. It's gonna probably be a little different. Um, but the one consistent is the WWE main roster sucking. So like y'all <laughs> always had that there for y'all. So. <laughs> so appreciate excellence while you can um but uh yeah so we had and, and uh, i'm not gonna go through the whole show uh today uh we got a loaded one here but aw had another show another week another set of million plus viewers uh this is headlined by malachi black versus cody um, you got the debut of Malachi Black in the ring. He's wearing some type of deer mask or mask with like horns on it or something. Top no, uh, top half of a skull with deer antlers coming out the top of it. Yeah, I I've seen it before because that was the same mask he was going to wear when he was going to come back as after that lore stuff he dropped um, on SmackDown when he was like planning his comeback like like that was what he's going to come down to the ring with when he was um. After he had attacked uh, Big E before they fired him the same week. Ah, yeah. Like he had showed a pic. He had put up. He had posted it on his. Uh, I think Twitter. It's when I saw it before. 
And I, I and I think it's quite interesting that like he comes down to the ring, looks fucking awesome. He looks like some out of a goddamn comic book, like a front page, like a like a a full page splash of the of of himself as he comes down to the ring, and he looks awesome. And this whole presentation, just like yeah, like this, like Triple H knew what to do with that fucking guy. Tony Khan knows to do with that fucking guy. One only one motherfucker doesn't know what to do with that guy. Only one motherfucker sees fit not to push him at the top of the goddamn card. This man. So uh, we can tell you. Is, is, is Alistair Black like the first, like, um, or Malachi Black, the first? I mean, I mean, you probably say that with the with FTR too, but this is on a higher level, I think. Like, has worked for these three bookers within like this time period, and like, you see this fucking clear because like I don't think it's all come together with Andrade yet, but uh, we'll see when the matches start happening, like mm-hmm. the real matches. So I'm still holding it out, um, but. Work for Triple H, work for Vince, and then Tony Khan, like with, with Malachi Black. Now, this mm-hmm. is damning. Now that you mention it like that, but that's but that's the thing, right? Like we have, like regardless of what we think about FTR, FTR at the worst should be no worse than on your on your American Professional Wrestling program, like your second a, or third heel tag, a really good tag team in your division. At worst, they weren't doing none of that in um, after like the first year in the main roster. Mm-hmm. Triple H saw the fit to make them the fucking champions and put them in like every other type of tag team scenario with AOP and DIY and out American Alpha, right? Tony Khan gets them, puts them out there to wrestle everybody, have feuds with multiple people, have a huge feud or a few, huge build to build with their top tag team that they have in the company. I, but you know, Triple yeah. H, is, Triple H, know what the fuck he's doing, <laughs> right? You know. He he's he is holding back talent and hiding them from yes. Vince McMahon. Yes, that's that, that, like, that's what I saw over the weekend. He he NST sucks or stunk because he is hiding talent from Vince to let the, the, Vince get his hands on. No motherfucker, he picked Lacey Evans over Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. Yes. you're fucking morons. We talked about this years ago. 2019, we talked about this. Like Jesus Benarchy. Christ, O and R always ahead. All right, but, but laboring the point. Get back. Let's get back to uh, Malachi. I almost call it Alistair. Sorry. Yeah, Malachi Black comes out, then Cody comes out. Cody's gear is incredible. All white, yeah. Um, with the gold. Yes. Um, then the match happens. Like Malachi Black's wearing these fight shorts and shit now. Um, I like the trunks, but the fight shorts will work. Um, it threw me at first, and also like the fact that he's so much he's he's put on so much mass as far as muscle that is like he he looks he looks about the same, but he doesn't look quite the same as he used to be in like the fight truck. Maybe if he puts a design on the back like a logo or whatever else, maybe like because mm-hmm. it looks it looks a bit generic. But like the kick pads, you see the, the detailing on the kick pads. Yeah, like he he still has that touch to him. So we're like, yeah, simple but still like raw. He fucking destroys Cody, and Cody doesn't hit an offensive move. Um, there's, a, like, all these great kicks that he's doing to him. This just just overwhelming him, like, in the corners, um, hitting him in the chest, like, with the feet, and then, like, the big um, spot where he leaps up the, the top ropes and kicks Cody as he's on top. Cody takes this fucking sick bump through the table, and it's just like, oh, shit, like, and he gets back in, catches a black mass or whatever the hell he's gonna call it. I, I don't I didn't catch it. Did you happen to catch what they're calling it yet? They haven't given him a name yet. Okay, he isn't with the fucking black mass. 
looks around the ring like, yep, I like I fucking killed this guy. Puts the foot on him, Ultimate Warrior style, and pins him. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> can, can I give you my rundown of the match as I watch it? Sure. Match before the match starts, Cody is looking around, and he is one of those like. This match for like four minutes, but this is a match that can be broken down and like he should send this off to his students at the at the at the Nightmare Factory between what him and Alistair or sorry Malachi did in this match. This was a this was a fantastic four four minute match. Like this is one of the best sub five minute matches you'll you'll see. Um he's looking around like he looks like and the whole story is I'm getting you the fuck out of here because I look in your eyes and I see that you're done. Cody starts his, or it's in the ring once, it's in the ring, and he, his face, he looks like a fighter, like an old fighter that's past prime that is like one bad, like that looks like he's about to go down. He's looking around like, this might be my last fight, or my last big money fight. So, they end up off, off towards uh, the ropes, Cody's back against the ropes, he hits him with a, he hits him with a low kick against his leg. And Cody's selling this masterfully, and like he's all over him. And then Cody fights back in the, as he's in the corner after getting that kick with a with a big forearm, which was shocking because like you know Cody's old Randy Orton over the top punch guy, but he hit him with a forearm. So I'm like, okay. So then he he's he's going at him with the kicks, and then uh, and then uh or not going at the kick, he actually yeah, slaps on a um some leg hole. Cody scrambles for the ropes, gets there, gets back up, gets hit with kicks. Cody fights him off, ends up going to the top rope. Alistair Black ends up, you know, like you mentioned, goes up there and hits like a a, a V trigger, uh, like a climbing V trigger up the ropes, and it sends Cody tumbling off the off the outside middle rope to the the uh, the, the announce table that's on the corner. He fights again and beats the count, and Alistair just hands up, just like soaking in the moment, and then hits him with a black mask. He goes down, foot on the chest, and I was like, this was this was excellent wrestling. Like he took that man apart systematically, and then gave him no hope. It ended in, and took his fuck and took his heart in the span of four minutes. I love this fucking match. Like, I gave this match three and a half stars in four minutes, and it wasn't like some super high speed match. It was just like excellent storytelling, and I can't wait to the rematch they eventually have. Um, and the post match is excellent too. So, like, after watching, after rewatching and seeing like how they even come to the conclusion of even saying like it's time for him to give up or whatever else, you look at him in the ring before the match starts. It's like he looks like he knows he has nothing left and he's done. And then he and then Alice and then Mal- Malachi displays that he, he's I he's fucking done. I'm taking him out. And then like he's like you know what I'm done. I'm going to hang up the boots. And then Alice and then Malachi comes back with that crutch and is like nah. You don't get to quit on me. Not even. Even, yes, you don't get to quit on me, but it's like, you're not going to steal what happened in this ring to you by trying to spin it in your own way. I whooped your ass completely. I whooped your ass completely. You are not going to turn this into, it's time and it's time to build you farewell. No, if we've been you farewell, it's because of me sending your ass away. Post-match, I got sent your ass away in the middle of the match. I love this. Astro Black's off to the races. He could be a fucking AEW world champion. Uh, you set him up with fight him and put him in a program with anybody. I I can't wait till he fights Moxie. I can't wait till he goes with Heyman. I can't wait till, his, till he's in there with Darby. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And Malachi Black is like the same. And Tommy and Alistair Black is a guy that I always fucking knew I've ever seen him be, except for in the main roster when Man was booking him. <laughs> he's a top of the company guy. Yeah, 
this was um this was a demolition. And then you know the promo, there were, there were some people that took exception with where it was going and all that. But I I would think like out like Malachi coming back and hitting him with the crutch, like because in the moment I was like, uh oh, this is going a little too far. Like what what's happening here? Then he comes back with the crutch for thugs and lays him out, and I'm like, all right, you got it. Right, because like, you know they're going to get a rematch. Yep. So, like, Cody, this man is doing some Hoganism. I was talking to I was talking to Josh about this earlier. I was like, this man, like, he earned his stripes. He got pinned Ultimate Warrior style. He can present that as, hey, I'm willing to do what's right for business. I'm willing to do jobs. I'm willing to do whatever, right? And I don't want to take it away from him, but, like, I'm going to give you all the game of what's really happening. So, it ain't no secret, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are on their way into this promotion. Who's feeling like an overcooked babyface that's been out in the sun too long? Him. Cody. Oh, he's turning heels, what you're saying? No. Okay. No. No. So, the fact that he's not turning heel, he cannot stay around. Like, you know, and... and yeah, so he's going away. Got- so, he's treating this like, uh, he's treating this like uh, Hogan when the play- playoffs will come around on Turner. Oh, yep. God. And oh, then, God. And then what happens is Punk and Brian come in. They're big fanfare. They can just take those babyface slots, essentially. Yeah. But when it's time for Cody to come back, guess who's a hot babyface? Guess who has, like, who can walk in to fight in either one of those people or whoever the heels are? Cody walks right back in fresh. The crowd doesn't. It's sick of him anymore. Maybe. He's, maybe. Maybe. And the reason why I say maybe is because... He's left and came back. This is like his this, this is like his third or fourth time leaving and coming back in like the last year and a half. Yeah. But he's coming off a of demolition. Like, and this is like True. Uh the retirement t- uh tease and all that stuff. He he comes back, doesn't interfere with uh, you know, those people. He doesn't have to do a job to them. Um he's already got himself out of anyone putting over anyone for the world title ever. Um, so this is just like, you know, this man's, this is a work, like he has discussed this with Arn Anderson. I guarantee you. Wow. Floyd is going to hate me for this segment. But- yeah, you turned it, you turned this into some Machiavellian uh, power play when like, I was, I was here like gushing about how awesome this was that it Cody is. did all this. It is awesome that he did all that, but I see, I know wrestling. Like, I, I hate to say it like that, but like, there are like all these things are at play. If I don't mention these, right? Okay, fair enough. At least mention that's on play. But the way you laid it out is like, oh, this is for sure happening. Yeah, like it's like if I don't mention this and then it plays out like that, I won't have this this audio that I can pull up and oh be my like, God. this is what happened, y'all. But this is what like we are always ahead here on One Nation Radio. So like, it's so suplex. <sighs> like that's that's just a thing we do. So like. I, this is why y'all listen to us to, to see it from a way you might not be thinking about it. See, like, and that's the thing about like um, AEW and Stardom about why like these are my two favorite promotions going right now is because like there's very little cynical Machiavellian bullshit that I have to like really think about. Like when it's the main roster or even when it's NXT when it comes to Cross, like I, I have you you almost like you are like not being. Th- you're being unrealistic if you are not at least like thinking of the things that are at play with this. Like, I don't I rarely do this with uh with AEW and stardom. I almost never do this with stardom. 
And you see how much happier I, my enjoyment of these promotions are when I don't have to think about this kind of shit, this political bullshit. So, thanks, Rich. Thanks. It's, it's right there, man. Like, like, you know, like, I, like, how doesn't it make sense? Like, if you were someone that's been out in the sun too long, you got these people coming in, you have the ability to pull yourself from TV, or like, because uh, he's going to do the Go Big Show and all that stuff. Like, this is... Like he's he's set this up beautifully to, uh, to to walk right back in hot and then be able to not turn because he doesn't want to turn for whatever reason. So remember when he dyed his hair for like a week? Yes, yes, yes. I remember. Um, if I were him, I turn. I come back and turn heel. Look, he would be smart to turn heel because there are so many baby faces for him to work with at at the top. Yeah. Like, That's what I mean. Like and, and I he can easily turn. like he easily go a full year wrestling none but like non or people that are either grooming or people that are tuning up to be like title challengers over the next like eighteen months. Like he can face Heyman, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Moxley. Uh, he already did Kingston, but like uh, Jungle Boy, like all that stuff is there. All that stuff. Yep. You could even get back in him and Darby. You could, yeah, you could. So. Especially like when you know, like that first promo, like when he came out and Sting big leagued him, like he'd be like, "Nah, I refuse. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm a nemesis." You know. Yeah. Yep. Um. So we had Juventud Guerrero um against Chris Jericho and the Labors of Jericho match. And man, first couple of minutes of this match was uh was not pretty. Um. Yeah, that would be rough. Spelled R U F. Yeah. Uh. Not Leon. But, um, yeah. yeah, after that, I was fine with it. Uh, I was happy to see Hoovy, uh, show up. You know, Hoovy's not really a regular wrestler anymore. He's, he's limited work the last couple of years, but, uh, Hoovy has lived a long, hard, fast life. <laughs> and, you, um, you want to throw out demons? You know, man, man got them demons, you know, they say. So, uh, I'm just glad he was here. I didn't think it was a disaster or anything. I was. They they watching. wrestled their way towards respectability. Yeah. By the end, yeah. Yeah, like, and seeing Chris Jericho and Hoover 2 Guerrero is just fun. Um, and I I liked it. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bang on Hoovy and say, yeah, bro. Um, you know, he he's not fucking Azumi, right? Like, <laughs> Sorry, like I'm, you know, uh, I I understand that he's not, you know, Roger Strong in the ring right, right now. Right, so, right. but um, yeah, Jer- Jericho with the fucking top row juice effect was fucking amazing. I, I um, howled, like I was dying laughing. I was, I popped all in one. Yeah, uh, I don't really have much to say about this match. Like, I think I have more to. I think I have more of a conversation out of like, what the fuck was Dave Meltzer watching? <laughs> Dave said he loved this. Or Dave said he like that he thought Hoovy was like better than most of the guys in AEW. And I'm like, no, bro. I'm sorry. He is not better than Scorpio Sky. He is not better than Ethan Page. He is not better than, than Frank Kazarian. He is not better than the Martin Brothers. He is not better than Isaiah Cassidy. He is not like what? What the fuck are you talking about, Dave? He fucked up like the like. Uh, I want to say like what twenty percent of the stuff he tried in like the first three minutes of the match. Yeah, yeah, Dave was um, you know, them 
like there were people that were joking that man got the, that review directly from Chris Jericho. Like, so who knows? Uh, like he looked like a guy that was rusty. Like, because as the match was going on, like, he clearly knew how to, like, babyface fire, play to the crowd, to get the crowd, keep the crowd engaged as he was going through moves or whatever else. And, like, it just looked like, at the beginning, it looked like just bad Lucha. That's all it looked like. And then eventually, like, they started, like, to get in rhythm. And then, like, it, they got, like I said, they rushed themselves towards respectability. So, like, if he, if they want to continue to bring him back, if they can, keep, keep, like, knock some rust off him, I think he'll still be good. But what I will say is this. Y'all need y'all need to y'all need to put some respect on Rey Mysterio Jr.'s name, bro. Y'all need to put some respect. You ain't never seen Rey that bad, not ever in fucking life. Not ever. Rey, Rey to this fucking day will still come out here and give you a great match if need be. So look, obviously you know uh, what they say. Uh, motion is the lotion or whatever else, and you need to be in the ring and bumping and all that stuff. Like you said. Hoovy hasn't been working a regular date like Ray has over these last years. But let it be known, Ray endured. Yeah, well, you know, after them knee, them knee uh, you know, that man went to Germany. You know, with them knee. Hey, maybe Hoovy needs to go to Germany too. <laughs> you know, hey, you know. Mysterio invest. mentality. You know, you know, invest. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Hoovy, you know. Maybe we can. I want to see them have one last match. I Ray, agree. Ray, Ray and Hoovy. Uh, I agree. Um, how long is how long did Ray lock himself up into uh, with WWE? Who knows, bro? Oh God. Who knows? Couldn't have been long. Ray Ray a little too smart to be out here signing on for five years. You would think. I don't know. Um, Ray, I don't know, man. Like, but if Hoovy somehow gets brought back a couple times, you know, I, I can think of a couple people at AEW you can uh, send them out there with. Oh, there's a bunch of people. Um, uh, the Hangman got whoop horseman style. Um, if this don't tell you all that you need to know about what's happening, because if it feels like people aren't either understanding this, they're like, I feel like when you watch what happened, the ass whooping they gave him, the fucking belt shots to the face, the Dark Order intentionally like not saving him but trying to save him, them holding him back, uh, him get, him getting hit with the fucking BTE triggers, like three of them. This is a man that is going to beat all of their asses one day. Yes, is, is it not? And it's going to be fucking glorious. Like. And the One Nation Radio victory lap is going to be like, hey, man. And it's going to work. Like, it's going to work. Like, he's going to go away. This was a little write-off or whatever. He's too beat up. Like, the last time we saw somebody take that many BTE triggers, they were gone for like a month and a half. John Moxley. Right. So, um, You think they're not behind – do you think the company's not behind John Moxley anymore? Yeah. No one says he's, No one says this kind of stupid shit when it's other people that go through the same thing. And it's like the, when he comes back and he emerges, he's gonna have his fucking fucking mask on. He's gonna pull it off, and then he's gonna like clean house, and then probably win the belt after that. After like a couple more defenses, and it's my um, idea that I would have Hangman. Like they've already gone too far, so I don't think they can do this. Like he needed a classic rivalry before the title. I feel like, uh-huh. but. 
this is the cheat code to get him hot to leave and come back and then you know be able to go right to Kenny uh, for the title and that's pretty much what's going to happen I don't know when it's going to happen like it's obviously not going to be at all out I think it looks like Kenny and Christian may be that direction if they don't blow title match on one of those first two Rampage shows mm-hmm. which that, that is at play um, but and even if it's not the full gear cycle, right, which would be, you know, that's always kind of been our end point. Like, hey, then maybe Kenny can lose about a full gear or whatever. Hey, man, like that's going to be in an arena. I think at this point, the way AEW's momentum is like you got to start looking at some type of bigger stadium early next year. Like and for me, if you're mapping that out, you give Kenny a couple more opponents hangman comes back however long it takes or whatever to you know he may have some personal stuff going on with you know his child being born maybe that gives him a month or two or even three like however long he needs to take or whatever to to line up the timing come back stadium show first quarter next year like and, and go with it there like i think it'll end up working out in the end yeah yeah, they have everybody. They have everybody. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Right. Like, whenever they're ready to do it, set the course and let it happen, and they got everybody. It's going to be glorious. Right. Like, it's, it's gonna and be- you would not be able to say such a thing had he won and the match would be happening in a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then, like, with your intros of Punk and Brian, and he's coming off feeling like a dude with a belt. Right. Like, and and one thing that also helps him if like now if he delays and then wins, like he can go and have babyface versus babyface title title matches. Like on pay per view right. potentially. Like which is something we didn't really account for, like we were talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, but like Yeah, that could happen. Like in the beginning of two thousand twenty one or maybe even the end of two thousand I'm sorry, at the end of two thousand twenty two. Or beginning of two thousand twenty two. Right. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much all I had for, for AEW stuff. But So I guess there's only one thing left to do, James. What's that? Hit the music. Yes, sir. So, Rich, you have finally caught up to uh, nights one and two of uh, the Grand Prix after I gushed about it glowingly for like an hour uh, last week. What were your thoughts? So I saw all of night one, and I think I've watched one of the big matches on night two. Mm-hmm. If I'm um, really excellent um, night that first night, and it was like, man, the... I love the pace of the show. Like, it's like, I don't know if it's a 20 minute time limit on these matches. 20 minute time limits. Yes. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. And like, you're done with the show in like an hour and a half, maybe. Um, and I, I really liked, um, Shuri versus, I think it was Micah. First night or second night? 
No, that was the second night, I think. Yeah, Shuri versus Mike was second night. I ended up giving that four and a half. Yeah, Shuri versus Saya. That's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. Um, as well as um, I thought Unagi and Tam was actually really fun. Um, they also had a hell of a main event with Momo and Mayu where it was just like, man, big win for Momo. No mid-mo tonight. <laughs> um <laughs> And it was like, well, like, I forget to account that it's tournament G1 style wrestling. So, so anyone like, can lose? Right. I, I somehow didn't calibrate this, like, into my head. So, like, a lot of that stuff, like, um, what's her name? Uh, Unagi beating Tam. I'm like, oh, okay. And then um, Azumi getting the win over Shuri. I'm like, okay. Right, <laughs> and right. And then um, Momo beating Mayu. I'm like, Okay, so it's like they're they immediately like got to the shits off real. Yeah, yeah. As far as the upsets, yeah. So Shuri and uh, Azumi was night three, but I, I get what you mean. You're talking about the general sentiment. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, like if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go do watch uh, night two because night two is like as good. Like I think, um, I think Jeremy and Zach both thought they like, or both said they like Night Two better. Um, I think that I think it comes to um, if you watch them separately, like without like just back to back, I can see you come along with that. But like the night, just like the the sheer joy of Night One, and then the bleeding over to Night Two the very next night is like it's more of the same, so it doesn't feel as you know awesome. So I see how they came with it, but like I think I think the two I think the three best matches I saw were um, two of them came from Night uh, Two, so. I, I get how they came to it, and I think Night Two probably had a better uh, undercard. Uh, so yeah, but moving on, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the main events from um, August seventh and August eighth. Uh, the Hulk shows aren't up yet, but they they had three shows. They had a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday show. The Monday main event isn't up yet, so we're just talking about the Saturday and Sunday main event. Uh, the first match was Shuri, the main event of Shuri versus Uzumi. Man, they're they're just fucking good together. This is a third singles match, and all three of them are bangers. Um, they're just really good together, and um, these matches are just built around like you have to believe that eighteen year old four foot eleven Azumi can take on this ass kicking UFC fighter, and all three times she is three for three in convincing you and getting you believe from storytelling from just sheer excellence as a wrestler and smoothness and just sheer guts that like she can get and also the, the selling of Shuri that like she can get her on the ropes and she could put her away. And, um, they're just great together. And you could tell that Shuri just loves her. <laughs> this is evident. This was a real woman match. You know, we always talk about the real man match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shuri out here giving people real woman matches. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like, the um like the kind of wrestler Azumi is, you always wonder if they can fight, right? <laughs> well, luckily I already we already know that, but it's good to be yeah. reminded. Yeah. So it was like, man, like she really felt like she belonged at that level, and it's not a shock. We know Azumi's trajectory, like where she's gonna be, even two years from now. Uh-huh. Like it felt like a glimpse of of like tomorrow, kinda, and it was like 
Shuri, someone who is at the top of her game, is as good as like good as it gets, quite frankly, in stardom. And like, I was watching this earlier, and I was like, this is like, like how the Kenny and Jungle Boy match kind of felt a little bit, mm. but it was like less less you know goofy stuff in the end, yeah, yeah, less like you know less anything like as far as like, um, like not. Not like with the athletics, but like the like seeing where one person is in their career going against somebody at the top of their game, and it was uh-huh. like it was refreshing. And then like the end of the match, like she just beats her and beats her clean. And it was like Azumi beat Shuri clean. Yes, yeah. Azumi beat Shuri clean. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I was shocked in a good way. So um, I think I might have gave that. Like four and a quarter. I was. I'm like four and a third. I'm, it's I'm it's uh it's four to four and a quarter for me. Yeah, and yeah. it's a 13 minute match. Or no, sorry, yeah. 14 minute match. Yeah. So it was like like anytime Azumi's stepping up in class, I'm always interested in what it looks like, and she always delivers. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, and Shuri's just like continues the role that she's been on. I'm just more impressed with her every time I see her. It's like just one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there's also told a nice story of towards the end where it's like, <sighs> Shuri, they, they roll on the floor. Shuri stops it, eventually gets back to her pace of like, just wanting to kick, kick her to death. And then Azumi eventually like through, gets her out on the rope or get her out, gets her out on the floor and then hits her with a, a suplex and then gets her back in the ring. And then like, she hit her with a bunch of stuff and like, Shuri eventually fights back and then like it turns into big move kick out big move kick out between both of them and then ultimately like Shuri goes for the Emerald Flosion or Frozen and um Azumi slips out and goes for her uh roll up gets a kick or, uh, and Shuri's ready for her but like she gets ready for it and she ends up hitting her own like roll up and Azumi kicks out of it and now she's like playing Azumi's game and then Azumi fucks around and like Hits her with a hits her with a move and then rolls her up and gets the pin and is like you shouldn't have played today you should have stayed your game and like because it's gonna be such a such a uh, spectacular like smooth force and like she, she got like even someone like Shuri off her game which is like this is why this is special and like this is this is her second uh, Grand Prix match they wrestled last year and like Azumi's two and zero against her in Grand Prix like she loves putting her over um, and I guess we'll talk about people loving putting someone else over it uh, in the next match we talk about. Um, next match, uh, Tam versus Tall Saya. Um, this, this went for uh, 13 minutes. I think this was the best, uh, set of action back and forth that they've ever had with each other. As far as like big move, big move, strike for strike or whatever else. And I think it helped that like Tam is selling, uh, the injury that she sustained from, from night two from Konami with the arm and the penalization and, like, she had to fight from underneath, and, like, I think a lot of these Kamatani matches, um, or at least with Utami, it's just, like, I was, it's hard for me to buy that, like, she can go blow for blow with Utami or a Shuri unless Shuri does what she does to put it over. Um, with selling that, I think Utami just isn't there yet as a seller. Um, so, like, with Tam, with the arm thing, like, it's actually a, a back and forth and ultimately, like, the story is, like, Tam had her dead to rights, and then she caught her again. Like, the only time that Azumi can ever, or sorry, Azumi, uh, Tall Saya can ever beat Tam is by catching her with, like, a roll-up pin or a Rana finish or 
you know, an Arabian, a springboard Arabian Rana to pull her out over the top in Cinderella tournament. But like, they're they're saving the moment where like eventually, um, Kamatani in a big spot is going to beat Tam, and I don't mean just beat, I mean finish her, and um, that's gonna be cool. And they they've been setting that up, but like. I just loved her interaction and like the selling that Tam did with the arm, the fighting from underneath with the arm and fighting back like Ishii style with a bad arm. Um, like the fact that they were both like trading and f- finishing and kicking, getting out of finishes, the reverse Rana that, that uh, Saya hit on Tam. Tam just like just basically ducking under a clothesline or whatever it was and just basically saying, fuck it. I'm grabbing her by the waist and I'm throwing her on her fucking head with a German suplex. Like it was awesome. Um, I ended up giving this match four flat and it was like a lot of the same from that main event where just like, damn. Like, there's nothing you can you really want to take out of that match. It's just like this is like a perfect 14 or 13 minute match. So, uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, I came across something on Twitter today. It was like Saya Kamatani's two year anniversary of pro wrestling. So, like, yeah, uh, is today the 10th? Yes, yeah, her anniversary, yeah, yeah, she debuted at the August 10th, uh, anniversary. I'm sorry, August 10th, uh, 2000. Uh, 19 Cork and Hall, which is like, she's basically one year. So this is actually also Utami's, um, three year, three year anniversary. Yeah. So it's like, she's been like, just been on the way all year. Right. Yeah. And all of know, this year, I, yeah. I, I love that big strike battle they had and where they were just exchanging forearms. Um, Kamatani, uh, as we've discussed, she does like a lot of the pretty wrestling, um, and you know that's right up my alley. Like it's you know real smooth or uh, soft top. Rope. When she's on, it's smooth. Yeah, yeah. And this was like her trying to wrestle like Tam. Like it was like Tam's like Tanahashi kind of. And <laughs> really, you're called Tam is Tanahashi. Like it explain this like, one to me. Where where she kind of had to stand in there, you know, like when oh, okay, okay, slap you in the okay. face or something gotcha. like that. Gotcha. So, and um, I, I only say that for for those that are listening and may not have seen it. So, um, I, I I'm pretty much on on the same uh, page as you. Like this was like this. It, it didn't overstay its welcome at all. Um, big upset. I I wasn't anticipating on Tam losing uh, again here. So she's zero and two, um, and one and two. Or one and two. I must she beat she beat Konami uh, in night two. Okay, and I didn't necessarily see this one coming. I was like, wow. Especially so. after their ma- their white belt match just a couple months ago, like or yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, what was that? Uh, was that July fourth? July fourth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it coming, but um, yeah, Tam's and Tam may be in trouble because they like Kamatani's on a clear trajectory up. And Tam's like, you know, Tam's on the top of the mountain, but like, she's somebody that she's got to watch out for, like you said. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't know when it was, but it might have been around uh, Cinderella tournament thinking of like, who do I want Tam to lose the belt to? And like for me, my choice would be Kamatani or Starlight Kid. Um. I prefer Starlight Kid because I think Starlight Kid is a, is more advanced as a wrestler than Kamatani, but, like, the company sees different, at least right now. You know, she, uh, Kamatani is in the, you know, that, that, uh, foursome of Utami and Kamatani and, uh, Micah and Hameka of, they call them the golden generation, so, like, you know, Azumi and Starlight Kid might be on the back burner until th- year, until three years from now, or two and a half years from now, so, it is what it is, but, like, 
Kamatani has shown improved in enough big spots this year. Um, ever since they decided, like, or ever since they realized, like, we're going to have to go with her for the red belt match um, in Budokan Hall. Like, so, yeah, like, she has shown improved and she has been pretty consistent as a singles performer. Um, I still think that, like, they're, her selling can be inconsistent and I sometimes don't, don't buy her striking. Um, but whatever, like, I think that when she's in there with the right person, she can have really, really, really damn good matches. And like this one, this was a, a great match and they put her in main event in um, Osaka. Like, so, um, and she delivered and Tam delivered and like, I don't know about these people that talk about like, they don't like these Tam matches, bro. I, I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> You know, Best of luck uh, to you. you this, know, one winged angel cosmic or one winged cosmic angel member, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, apparently it, that's there's, funny. There's, there's the agenda, you know, to, to align Kenny Omega and Sam Nakano. Yeah. It, we it, haven't it, really talked about it on the show. Well, I mean, between like uh, multiple times on Twitter, people talk about like Tam Nakano and Kenny Omega in their, uh, in like the one winged cosmic angels joke from, uh, after Tam won the white belt up until like the agenda that's been that people talk about on, on nope. Twitter to now you saying that Tam is fucking Tanahashi like look look I, I'm just glad that y'all have came to my side to see the division that Tam Nakano is a great fucking wrestler so I'm just, I'm just glad that y'all are here now I'm just glad y'all are here that's funny because I was I was in the wilderness I was in the wilderness saying this keep in mind like I'm the same person like after two matches like yeah man I think John Nakano is like, like one of the ten best wrestlers like doing this shit right now and then like that came to be proven true. I just think that, like, you know, I'm just glad y'all y'all have caught up with division. I'm glad everything's in line. We're we're perfect. We're everything is perfectly synchronized now. We are we are mo- we are moving in and one in unison. The movement is moving. Uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Um. I think this. I, uh, we'll see what happens with these uh, the the third or the Saturday through Monday shows the undercards. But when is Takumi joining the tour? She joins late. Her and Hameka both join late. Hameka uh, has been dealing with back problems. She has wrestled other than when she wrestled to put over Kamatani at the beginning of um, the Cinderella or the June twelfth show. She hasn't wrestled um, much because she has a back issue. So. They put her in a tournament to give her more time to heal up. Um, and then Takumi, because of her knee, um, she's coming in in, like, the last week of August. So, like, those will be the additions that come in. And that Takumi reel, that Takumi run is going to be fun, bro. <laughs> like, right. the, the way the way Mike is wrestling. Mike versus Takumi. The way Kamatani's wrestling. Kamatani versus Takumi. The way Azumi has always wrestled. Azumi versus Takumi. The way Tam has always wrestled. Uh, Tam versus Takumi. Utami versus Takumi, Shuri versus Takumi. Like it's gonna be a fucking blast, and it's like in that October, sorry, uh, late August through September stretch to close this tournament out. Like, oh, it's gonna be fun, man. It's gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's about it, right? Yeah, that's about it. A uh, new match added to Dynamite for next week. So okay. Kenny Omega and the Bucks, so the Elite, the original six man trio, will be facing Dante Martin and the Seidel brothers. So that should be pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be real fun. Um, Kenny Omega and Andrade this Saturday. Uh, Triple Mania. Mania. Yep. So I'll be watching Triple Mania. I always enjoy. I will be watching Triple Mania, Mania too. Um, there's also a couple other matches. I believe uh, 
the Lucha Bros are in a match with Vikingo. It's like a triple three way match, uh, tag match. Yes. What is Laredo um, Kid doing? <clears throat> I think Laredo Kid might be his tag team partner, if I'm not mistaken. So um, wait, wait, wait. Vikingo and Laredo Kid versus Lucha Bros? I believe so. And then like there's a third team in there. So wow, um, to get in the way. So <laughs> <laughs> get in the way. Um, so I got the card right here. Oh uh, yeah. All right. So we've got team. There's some team match. Uh, there's Drago, Mr. Iguana, Mamba, and I can't read the other part. Um, Fabi Apache against Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, the match. Um, I've seen I've seen uh, Deanna cut promos on uh, Fabi Apache yeah. on Twitter. Pentagon Junior and Phoenix against Vikingo and Laredo Kid, and then Taurus and Luchador Sorpresa. I don't know who that is. Um, Black Taurus or Taurus? It just says Taurus. Okay. So there's a. It looks like a six man. It's like Pagano, Chessman, and, and Murder Clown against Puma King, Sam Sam Adonis and uh, Demet Azul, Kenny Omega and Andrade, and then Psycho Clown and Rey Scorpion in the top match. It looks like Mass versus something. What what is Caballera? I don't know if that means career or not. I'll let me find that out real quick. I don't know, but like that that trios match that's. That sounds fun with the one that has uh you said Pagano in it, so um yeah, yeah. sounds fun. So uh hold on. <laughs> I need to fucking in English. <laughs> oh, mass versus hair. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Psycho clown yeah, psycho clown and losing his fucking mask. Y'all crazy. Uh- <laughs> but uh yeah, so uh, it's not going to be streaming anywhere, but Cubs fan will be showing it on Twitch. I have the link already saved on my bookmarks, so um, maybe I'll post it inside the One Nation Radio uh, part in our Discord. If you want to check it out, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, well, uh, that's in the show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this with. Uh, go to our Red Circle and drop us off with a donation. Yes, Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex and picks up, pick up some official Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise and listen to other shows on the network. Uh, and, and besides just One Nation Radio, you have Keep It Strong Style. You have the Rick and Clyde Wrestling Show. You have Gorman Wash's shit. You have The Grave Consequences Podcast. You have 8-Bit Suplex. You have All Things Elite. And we have Great Nash Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace.